This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. With you here in the studio, we have uh, myself, Stephanie. And Guard. And Brett. Yes, two very fine guests. Um, each of them with their own wonderful podcast. Uh, and we'll be talking a lot about those as well as some many other issues we would like to address tonight. But uh, if you want to give us a call and give us your thoughts, this is the show about your calls. Call us at 800 259 9231. That is 800 259 9231. And that, of course, is the SACL CAI toll free call in line. So, uh, gentlemen. Um, yes, it's good to be here. Good to be here fighting for freedom with you, Stephanie, and Brett, and uh, you guys. I've been listening very fondly to you on the radio, Stephanie, and to you, <laughs> Brett, on your podcast. Excellent stuff, my friend. And I'm very glad, literally, everybody, I just walked in here because here in the center of the freedom movement in New Hampshire, they are now having the Keen Pumpkin Festival. So basically trying to get over here was the proverbial rat in the maze trying to find the cheese. It was insane. It was crazy. And it's another reason I don't want the government to own the, own the roadway. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar experience, too. Uh, actually, as an aside, did you hear this story where there were 100,000 pumpkins that got washed into the uh, Connecticut River here in New Hampshire? No way. <laughs> All right. No, no, unfortunately, that would have been funny, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the Harry Chapin, uh, you know, thousand pounds of bananas or whatever, just dumped from a truck or something. <laughs> Holy well, moly. Apparently, there was this pumpkin farm that, you know, supplies some ridiculous amount of the pumpkin population in New Hampshire, yeah. and a lot of them were supposed to go to Keene for Pumpkin Fest, but... Uh, uh, there was some kind of a flood on the farm and they didn't contain their pumpkins properly. And so it ended up with 100,000 pumpkins literally floating down the river. Oh, that's a shame, man. <laughs> well, they, you know, it's too bad they couldn't have done it, you know, like mark them. They could have had sponsors like a big duck race down the river, see which one gets down the river first. You <laughs> that know, would have been very creative. For charity. We could all do it for the Liberty Movement. Oh, so good to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Free Talk Live, where you control what we discuss. <laughs> yes, that is right. And also, um, speaking of which, you can get on the cam at uh, freetalklive.com. Go to our website, check us out and watch us doing what we do. So, uh, gentlemen, I did want to make sure that we uh, start off by pimping your wonderful podcast. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> there is so much great liberty-oriented content right now yeah. uh, that we can just pour directly into our brains, as I like to say. If you go to lrn.fm, you can see everyone's podcast who's sitting here on this show, including my own, which is Pork Therapy. We talk about relationships from a liberty-oriented perspective. And Gardner has the Liberty Conspiracy, a wonderful show that's been long-running. Gardner has been educating the masses for a long time, right? (laughs) Yes, we're in the midst of our political campaign of me against me right now. So I I call Hmm. myself uh, various things like a Nazi and stuff like that and play backwards messages of, do you see what he really meant in that one it's it's fun so wow who do you think yeah. is gonna is gonna come out on top in that race i'm not sure because i know <laughs> that if i were you i'd vote for gardner goldsmith but he's a bad bad guy <laughs> which gardner is the lesser of two evils i don't know you know it's just so funny i just get so sick of hearing those those political campaign ads oh, that boy. a few yeah. years ago we started to to put together all these skits for the liberty conspiracy and i thought you know what uh, politics base, basically makes a nation of castrati. So let's <laughs> pull out of the politics thing. Let's, you know, it, it totally disincentivizes anybody from actually running his own life. And mm-hmm. so why not throw my hat into the ring as an anti-political candidate? Right on. Yes, indeed. All right. <laughs> and of course, we have Brett. Brett is from School Sucks Podcast, which is a phenomenal show. I've been listening since the inception, I believe. And uh, he's... 
He's debunking the government school. Isn't that right, Brett? Want to tell us a little bit more about your show? Yes, we are hard at work at that. For the uh, last uh, couple months, we've actually been working on a series of shows called Kids Are Not Defective, which is sort of the thrust behind the whole project. So I think so many many kids go through school without ever really realizing what's happening to them. You described feeling like a rat in a maze, Gardner. Yeah, that's exactly. It's the school system uh, in general. You hit it. This is the rat in the box, the uh, the famous Skinner box. Uh, one of the most influential uh, behaviorists in the design of the system was a guy named B.F. Skinner. And he put rats in a box. And, you know, if they could hit a lever, they would get a little food pellet. And if they did something wrong, they would get shocked. Yeah. And that's behaviorism. And that sounds silly, but that's, uh, you know, that's this sort of psychology that our school system is pretty much based on. The work of people like Pavlov and Skinner. And it's pretty gross. Mm, and rewards and punishments, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And all the, you know, the factors that motivate people to do things in school are extrinsic. It's never about, you know, what do I want? What are my goals? Who am I as an individual? It's all about, you know, this is how you get the carrot and this is how you avoid the stick. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're trying to point out. What are the hidden lessons of school? What are the messages that we learn about our government in school? And of course, like I said, most recently, how do we learn that things are wrong with us if we fail to conform to the expectations mm. of school? It's and, not about education. It's and you know what I you know what I love Stephanie about about Brett's podcast is is every time you get it, it's like he's unraveling another layer of the onion, or he's got a new onion because there are so many oh, that yeah. the government creates, and he's pulling away some other facade, some other fiction, some other fallacy. That has been that has been uh, inculcated into the minds of people from from you know school age on the whole concept of the we the people concept that that, that we're all part of this giant gestalt and that <laughs> you know that somehow is working towards great nationhood and so on and he breaks it down and he's like look you're an individual think for yourself you haven't been taught to think for yourself very much in in government schools even though they always tell you to question authority. They never tell you to question authority. That's the authority that had you there for seven hours a day, five days a week. Yeah. Actions uh, speak louder than yeah, words school on that sucks one. Is, that's a great, great, great show. And Thank you can you. find it at uh, schoolsucksproject.com. Is that correct? Indeed, and, yes. And Gardner, you're at uh, libertyconspiracy.com? Libertyconspiracy.com because freedom is no longer in fashion. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, this is the show about your calls, and we actually do have a call on the amp lines to start us off with the show. Uh, caller, who's this? You're on the Free Talk Live. Yeah, this is Ty in uh, Tennessee. I call myself a recovering statist. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) Yes, one day at a time, man, one day at a time. (laughs) I I woke up, I think, probably, uh, when was it that George Bush made that statement that he had to abandon the free market? Oh, to save the free market. I can't believe you're bringing that up. I was literally talking to someone today. I was picking up my computer from getting it repaired, and he mentioned the exact same thing. This is like plate of shrimp from Repo Man, that lattice of coincidence, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and which is one of my favorite movies. It's totally anarchic. Isn't it amazing, too, because if you were critical of George Bush – the Republicans had a very difficult time with you. Uh, for example, if you remember, uh, there's a great writer, uh, James Bovard, mm-hmm. and he wrote some scathing stuff about the Clinton administration. He was on Laura Ingram's show. He was on all these, you know, uh, all these other popular national so-called alternative radio programs to the popular media. Uh, once he wrote the Bush betrayal about George Bush mm-hmm. and his spending and his, his destruction of civil liberties and things like that, they wouldn't touch him. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the same principles here. No, I'm sorry, principle doesn't matter because that's not our side, you see. Mm. 
So you just and, don't do I that, right? important, too, what you bring up, that it's principles. And, you know, I go back to those first principles, the non-aggression principle, and the principle of self-ownership. And that is that is my standard that I use, I hold up, and I, I use that to reflect on anything, any news that happens, any of my actions, any of the actions that occur to me. I use those principles as a guideline because, you know, for most of my life, I've, I guess I've been – kind of uh, affected by the, the media, you know, the, the, the schools, which School Sucks podcast uh, uh, talks about, you know, to, to believe that the government is good and they're there for me and, th- and they are me, you know, that's, that's, that's the message they send. It's, you know, that's you're part us. of the collective, right? It's all for the common good and you're one of the herd. <laughs> you are the government. Exactly. And I, I guess it was that moment, though, when George Bush made that statement, because I've always loved the free market. Even though I never really took that to its logical conclusion until recently, you know, that uh, the free market means total freedom. Yeah, yeah. That that we can't have it. I mean, I used to think uh, that I wanted freedom and everything except, you know, maybe my little uh, market for for labor, for my particular uh, area of expertise. You know, for that, I wanted some kind of control and, and, you know, try to keep competition out. Well, that's... That's the same thing that corporations, big business, everybody else does. They try to they try to control that market for competition. Indeed, Ty. We are coming up on a break. We're going to have to uh, let you go. Thanks for the call tonight. This, will, this is Free Talk Live. We'll be back with more when we return. Call us at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Lil Drums. Every bit as fun as a full-size Nestle drumstick cone and definitely cuter. Visit us at drumstick.com. Vacations are all about family time, but you don't have to leave home to have fun. Take one weekend a month and devote it to family activities. Pull out the board games and puzzles, serve up some treats, or have a picnic. Even without leaving home, you'll feel like you've really had some time away. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. Stephanie here with you tonight, and I've also got the lovely Gardner Goldsmith. Hello there. <laughs> and Brett. Hello. Brett Vinat from School Sucks. And uh, if you want to go to uh, listen.freetalklive.com, you can check out the live streams, the webcam, and the listen lines. All there for your listening pleasure and all for free. Many great features on their website. That's freetalklive.com. And, of course, if you would like to call us, this is the show about your calls. You can call in and talk about anything. Our number is 800-259-9231. That is 800-259-9231. And, of course, that is the SACL, C-A-I, toll-free line. So, gentlemen, uh, before the break, we had Ty call in. Yes, and uh, Ty was, Ty. Yeah, yeah, we do appreciate his call. And, of course, he was on the uh, amp line, which is one of the perks you get when you become an amplifier. But uh, <laughs> Ty was talking about uh, George Bush. And uh, we were commenting during the break about, um, you know, how do all these people feel uh, that wanted Bush to have all this power, that were supporting him? How do they feel now that all that power is, is in the hands of another uh, person, Obama? Mm. Yeah, because I remember them cheering for it. I mean, I watched for eight years as conservatives cheered loudly as George Bush 
seized more and more power with Absolutely. military commission and consolidating it into the uh, executive branch. We had military commissions. We had posse comitatus. Absolutely. I really think at, you know, at one point he could have stood there with the Constitution and his loyal supporters would have said, I would like to watch you pee on that. Exactly. You know? and, and for, <laughs> Didn't for he say people, it was just a piece of paper? Just he a, basically yeah, right. virtually did. And for people who are big supporters of George Bush, he did say that. And you know, let's just mention what some of these things were. Uh, when we ha- hear all these debates about uh, all these people are upset about the um, people in Guantanamo being given civil trials or criminal trials in U.S. courts rather than they being shouldn't get tried trials. in the military commissions. In, in 2005, 2006, there were a series of lawsuits that were brought up that eventually went to the Supreme Court uh, that said, look, you have not – the U.S. government has not declared war. If you have not declared war, you can't try these guys as prisoners of war or under war crime statutes and an international tribunal. So you can't do anything else other than try them under U.S. criminal code for terrorism, like the 1993 bomber of the World Trade Centers. So all of this holding them in Guantanamo, then the Bush administration didn't want to give them habeas corpus hearings to actually show them the evidence that they had. And I can understand that because they didn't want to have CIA secrets or whatever. You know, they've got their argument and their rationale, but they didn't declare war. And so since they didn't declare war, they had to try them under criminal code. Now, you hear all these conservatives out there who are supposedly strong constitutionalists. You know, we're very opposed to the government growing too big and trampling on our rights to control our businesses and taking our money. Really? Well, I guess when it's George Bush and it has to do with your idea of the so-called war on terror, which is not a war and you're you're playing in a fantasy world, uh, I guess you can toss all that aside. And you can urinate on the Constitution. (laughs) And the addendum to that, too, is like we're talking about the government's adherence to the Constitution. I think we would all agree it's just a way for us to sort of point out the hypocrisy of these people. That we're always told that our society is stable and predictable because we live in this nation of laws. You know what's going to happen. Well, for the subjects in that so-called nation... Uh, Yeah, that's very true for you, whether you're wondering whether or not you can drive around with your glove compartment open all the way to what kind of dried vegetation are you allowed to have in your pocket. But these people who hold these positions of power, they get their fancy job titles or they get their blue and green costumes, and they can pretty much get away Mm. with murder. They can pretty much get away with murder. Oh, they absolutely explicitly can. Yeah, so we're not constitutionalists. I hear the, the Tea Party people talking a lot lately about the Constitution. Oh, yes. But we're just using that as an example, uh, I think we'd all agree, Absolutely. to point out the hypocrisy of and, these people. Who have and power. also, if you put your faith in one group or another to uphold this document, which has not stopped the government from growing, mm-hmm. has, not stopped the const- has not stopped the government from trampling people's rights, killing American citizens, if you're just concerned about American citizens, uh, engaging in undeclared military conflicts, which they call war, which is totally fictional, and Lewis Carroll would laugh at that, uh, imprisoning Japanese people for some rationale, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, All these foreign conflicts, if you possibly think that the Constitution is going to stop that, then you've got another thing coming, which is why, as, as Brett says, we bring up this point because... The hypocrisy of of those people who tell you they're constitutionalists, who tell you they're going to swear an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, is just the tip of the iceberg, it under, uh, which is on the surface of something even deeper, which is the belief that if you establish a government and 
and get the government to somehow uh, abide by some rules that it's going to protect you because it won't. It mm. will not protect you. It's not predicated on protection. It's predicated on taking what you've got in order to create a police force. And we can get more deeply into that. But the whole, yeah. the whole thing is just utterly absurd to consider. The idea of violating some people's rights to protect everyone's rights, as you often say on your show, Gardner, is is pretty laughable. I mean, and, and as as Lysander Spooner, Spooner pointed out, um, the Constitution has either uh, justified all the wrongs or been powerless to prevent them. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I guess the request for the callers would be like uh, the people who supported Bush, the conservatives who supported Bush from 2000 to 2008 at every single one of his power grabs saying, oh, well, they, they have to do this, right? Now, imagine if Clinton had done it, it would have been like... Up in arms. Right. Yeah. Not that it would have been right then either, It obviously. would have been James Bovard right on the radio. Right. Right. Uh, but all of these people who, uh, you know, chair-led Bush through all of that, how are they feeling uh, about Obama having all that Bush power now? Right? And can they actually give us an argument that Obama is somehow different than George Bush. I would love that. Very nice. That yeah. would be very interesting. And can they tell me in the long run how they can convince me that having someone put a gun to my head and saying, we're going to form a police force that will protect you from theft is somehow logical. Mm-hmm. What if I don't want that police force paid that much? What if I don't want that police force to take my money at all? Somehow there seems to be this logical disconnect in this belief that you've got to have the government protect you. But, Gardner, nobody really ever puts a gun to your head. Yes, that's true. That's true. Only if I resist and I resist and I resist. Yes, yes. Very good point. As long as you're compliant. Yes. Mm, Yes. Well, and in fact, they'll go to great lengths to deny that anyone is actually using force to try to get you to behave in a certain way or to give up your money or your rights or whatever. Oh, and it's uh, like this is this is where we see that sort of horizontal attack from subject to subject too. when we call taxation theft. Well, they'll say I'm happy to pay my taxes. I would I would pay more if I was asked to, which is really like, as I've said on the show before, that's when you explain to them why taxation is theft, especially as we look at the way uh, the government debts are paid for. Yes. How they just dig into the pockets of people who haven't been born, born. who have right. no voice in Absolutely. government. There's Enslaving no way, them upon birth. Right, there's no way to not call that theft. There's no way it's not theft to steal from people who have who are completely defenseless right. against you. Yeah. And of course, they, they use these rationales. They'll say, well, you know, uh, we're part of uh, the social compact really i didn't sign any document where was that document i didn't see that anywhere oh well you agree to it by living on a certain arbitrary plot of land oh, I see. of course that's right so whoever, if you don't like it you can leave whoever gets the majority <laughs> of that government entity can take your money and they don't call it theft you right. see and it's not majority sanctioned plunder it's it's taxation for the common good it's for we the people. Okay. And Stefan Molyneux is so right. His speech at Porkfest was about language and the language that we use. And, it, you know, it's not social security. It's stealing from the young to feed the old. It's, you know, it's important to couch these things in the terms that show what they really are. So coming up, when we return, we will get into more of these issues. You can give us a call at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Free Talk Live. We'll be back. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. 
Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. Joining us in the studio tonight, uh, this is Stephanie. And guard. And Brett. Indeed. And uh, you can go to news.freetalklive.com to get updates on the show. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and get in the loop. And I also need to tell you about MemoryDealers.com. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zenpacks, and X2s that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. In stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery, go to MemoryDealers.com. Now then, thank you for joining us tonight. We're so excited to have you listening. And we've actually got a number of calls to get to. Of course, this is the show about your calls. If you're interested in sharing your thoughts with us, you should call us at 800-259-9231. That is 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, And I believe we have some calls we're going to get to. Before the break, we were talking about... Uh, Bush, Obama, the non-existent differences between them. <laughs> well, there was one important thing. I was really excited when, when uh, as far as differences are concerned, when Obama became the president. Because if you look at the differences between every single two presidents, uh, you know, going back all the way to George Washington, and you look at the, the differences between the two characters, there's virtually nothing. Like, this guy's from Virginia and had a beard, and this guy's from Virginia and didn't have a beard, right? <laughs> this guy was a lawyer for five years. This guy was a lawyer for ten years. Right. If we look mm-hmm. at the disparity, there has been no wider disparity between any two presidents than Bush and Obama. I mean, nothing changed, really. <laughs> so that I was excited to show people how little would change when we get this huge change in a person's background and beliefs and mm-hmm. everything was different and 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 also we can same. work it we can work it the other way as well uh the obama supporters if you expected all this great change and great civil liberties defense from the obama administration um do you think you've been sold a bill of goods yet and also might i ask you down the line those of you who are really interested in privacy how is it that your privacy concerns don't go to things like oh i don't know medical privacy for my medical data, which will now be collected by the federal government for their health care program. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess the ends justify the means. But So it, it works both ways. If you're an Obama supporter, we'd love to ask you, how is it really any different from the Bush administration? And so, actually, why don't we bring on Ben from Florida? He's listening on WFLA. I believe he may have something to say about this subject. Ben, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, thank you for calling. Uh, what, did you, what was on your mind tonight? Well, you know, I voted for Bush twice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the Patriot Act uh, at all. Um, I think the Patriot Act was a far overreaching reaction to um, to the terrorist attacks of 9/11, and, and, and I under, I can understand the motivations because people were screaming for something to be done and, and and put a stop to it, which they should have put a stop to it way before then, but. Um, 
and it's just, it was the same re, it was the same redundancy in World War II when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Everyone was screaming that the Japanese attacked. This one, it was it's quite clear to anyone who studies history that Roosevelt goaded the Japanese into attacking this country because he wanted into the war. Yeah. Well, and that so, that actually led to um, Japanese internment, right? Uh, Japanese. Well, yeah, that's right. Before. Yeah, you know, and and you know, and it's a direct link to the embargo, the oil embargo against the Japanese. Yeah, exactly. Was was a direct go because to get them to attack us because they had to seize the East Indies when they did that and they couldn't leave our navy floating around the Pacific when they seized the Dutch East Indies. So, you know, and so Roosevelt basically kicked them in the you-know-where and got them to attack us. And the, the terrorists, not so much that way, um, but, you know, people people demand responsibility, but you know the the Patriot was a bit much. I mean, it, it yeah, it's, it's basically there's a lot of constitutional questionabilities about that, and I admit that. But you know, Bush is different in some ways. He he um, he let the, the assault weapon ban ex, uh, sunset expire, and, and and really brought about a lot of more gun freedoms. Whereas every time I turn around, the Democrats want me to you know take away my gun freedoms. Um, Bush never advocated a, a institutional policy of federal, a federal policy which forces people to buy an insurance product like the Obama Health Care does, which is solely geared toward driving the country into a one-payer system. Although, okay, can I just interrupt you for a second, uh, uh, Ben? I'm sorry. Wasn't it Mitt Romney who originally started in Massachusetts the policy? That well, Mitt, was- Mitt, Mitt Romney, you know, that's, people bring that up. Mitt Rom- the plan Mitt Romney... Instituted in Massachusetts is totally different than the one they actually passed and he signed. They they went in and carved it up a lot, and because um, they were trying to do the same thing in Massachusetts, they want everyone on a single payer system. Yeah, but I, you know, Bush did a lot of things, you know, true. But the simple fact of the matter is, anybody elected to office today in the country is a politician, yeah. and they're out mm-hmm. broadening their own power base and strengthening their own position. And um, I, I'm really starting to think that Americans as a whole are starting to wake up to the fact that I think these people in Washington are about to find out that the party's over because um, there's a lot of stuff going on up there that is really just some of the stuff is just really this 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 idea of this carbon footprint and this whole environmental movement the carbon footprint down here in Florida we have um, the Amendment Four is on the, the ballot this election. It's driven by Sierra Club. They help write it, where basically everybody in your neighborhood is going to have a, uh, is going to, if you want to sell your property or do something with your property, you, they have to, they have a vote on whether you can change the land use code down here and let you do that. So they're okay. taking away your private property ownership rights. It's just, it's just a false joke. I mean, it's just, well, that's, it's just a joke. It seems to me that that's what government does, right? They take away people's private property rights, and they want to control what you do with your property and your life. And I see uh, I see that on both sides, right, gentlemen? Well, I, you, well yeah, I, people tell me, you know, well, I own property. Oh, you own that property, right? Well, pay, don't pay your property taxes next year and find out what happens, you know? Exactly. Very Ben, we're getting a weird uh, echo. I think we're going to have to let you go. Thanks for the call tonight. We will continue this discussion. Um, did you Did you guys hear what Ben said the last thing? Uh, try try paying not paying your property taxes and oh, see yeah. what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, on, I think he's right about that. Every from, everything from the macro side to the to the micro side, you see government trying to regulate your private property. But I think I think it's interesting, and I'd love to defer to Brett uh, briefly on this. Um, 
Um, you know, as we talked about the Bush administration, one of the things that we have to be careful about, he, and he brought up a salient point about Bush's uh, gun policies. Mm-hmm. There is a substantive difference on, on some marginal levels on, on Obama, although Obama seems reluctant to proceed with a lot of the things that people would like him to do on the left wing side. Um, what I think is interesting, if, if you look at some of the things that were established prior to Bush getting into office on the health care front, the chess pieces were moved into place by Republicans, establishing mm-hmm. the Children's Health Insurance Program, patently unconstitutional, um, and uh, starting up the, the health care for seniors under the Bush administration at 520 in the morning. Uh, Newt Gingrich, the big potato head that he is, what a giant fraud he is, he supported that nonsense. So all of these types of things, philosophically, on, on the policy side, George Bush was the biggest spending policy guy in history before Barack Obama for social policy. So there's not much difference when you get the Republicans in office than when you get the, the Democrats. just and want to bring that up. Remember the important question, too. When we, we can talk about policies and platforms and platitudes and do that comparison all night. Right. But when it comes to Bush and Obama, and hey, let's throw Mitt Romney in there as well. If you line these people up and ask them the question, you know, raise your hand if you want a job where you go to work every day and impose your will on me by force right and they all raise their hand so that's yes. as far as differences are concerned that's as far as i need to probe that's exactly right? that's Absolutely. it Good people that's it. do not seek power over others and you know something something you brought up there um we we talked off the air and stephanie and brett and i were talking off the air everybody about how i got invited over to high school recently and um uh, they had a democrat uh, republican me which was great because my friend mike uh, old high school buddy is the teacher so he invited me in and at one point this woman who's just a hardcore, hardcore left-wing statist, um, she was saying, well, you know, isn't it terrific? We can all sit here and offer our opinions, and we can all disagree. And I had asked my niece before. So you want to move to New Hampshire for liberty? NHmove.info has articles, links, and activism alerts to help you decide exactly where and how to make your move. Even job listings. Browse the inventory of liberty blogs, sites, and media, or promote your own efforts. All free at nhmove.info. If you're moving to New Hampshire, you better go now and bookmark nhmove.info. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us again. And check out the Shrine. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. Talk radio has been uh, traditionally a male-dominated thing, but uh, Free Talk Live is lucky enough to have a group of wonderful ladies who have sent in their pictures because they enjoyed the show so much. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com and check out all the other features on the website uh, to get a look at that. And I also need to tell you about the Free State Project. Are you frustrated with a lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? Well, you can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Now then, we've got the phone lines blowing up. This is uh, Free Talk Live, of course, the show about your calls. You can call us at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, if you've got something to say. Uh, But tonight, it's Stephanie here with you. And Guard. And Brett. And uh, we were just discussing uh, the, well, 
I would say differences, but there aren't too many of them <laughs> between the Republicans and the Democrats, Bush and Obama. And we've had David uh, waiting patiently on the line, uh, wanting to tell us that he does think there's a difference between Obama and Bush. Are you there, David? David from Keene? David, can you hear uh, me? Uh, it's Trey from Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry, Trey. Okay. Well, um, there is a little bit of an echo in this. Uh, maybe GCN can fix that. Uh, but, Trey, what was on your mind tonight? I was just an uh, intermittent listener of the program. I know Mark and Ian had uh, slightly varying uh, philosophies on liberty of Mark with the anarchy and Ian Foster. I just want to know if you guys want to elaborate on your own uh, personal liberty philosophy. Oh, okay. Well, that's, well, that's a, great a great question. question. Uh, I think I'm going to have to let you go, Trey, because uh, we've got a little bit of an echo and your sound quality wasn't too good. But uh, we would be happy to talk a little bit more about our own personal philosophies. Uh, Gardner, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Um, I began uh, thinking about uh, politics and economics uh, thanks to my mom and dad and uh, was uh, sort of uh, steeped through diffusion, I guess you might say, from my father on uh, free market economics and the Austrian school of economics of subjective marginal utility theory, which is really uh, pretty much an anarchic uh, perspective that uh, the the person who earns the money uh, knows best how to how to spend it and makes the most efficient decisions with it every time you remove that decision making process it's not only immoral and unethical it destroys the feedback loop that you need in a free market to be able to find out about uh, allocation of resources and and mm. spending and things like that so i was trained by by my dad very early on in that and then i became sort of a, a john locke uh, sort of libertarian, I guess you might say, because I believed that government was established because you had a right to be left alone by me and I had a right to be left alone by you. And according to John Locke, he says, therefore, in order to protect you from having your stuff stolen, we create a government. Uh, we voluntarily enter this, enter this agreement <laughs> that uh, we form a government to stop predation against each other. And after a few years, I started to think, well, now, wait a minute. In order to create the government to stop predation, that government entity has to automatically, by definition, it is, in order to exist, a mechanism of predation. So it's a huge canard. That it's, it's just a giant mask that's, that's ripped off of the locking concept, and I became mm. a free market anarchist voluntarist, Very uh, nice. saying that, look, government is, is bogus. Uh, I don't support the idea of stealing from my neighbor in order to protect my neighbor, and uh, taxation is majority sanctioned theft. Probably the big one that really got me through that was uh, was Frederick Bastiat. Indeed. We actually do have someone on the phone lines who wants to talk about minimal government. Maybe we can uh, come back to this issue, and Brett and I can expand a little bit sure. uh, when we when we get done with this call. But uh, I think we have Steve uh, in Tampa. Uh, Steve, are you there? Yes, how are you? Very well. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, well, I've listened to you guys a lot. I'm a, sort of a junkie on the radio, and I kill some times on Saturdays while my wife's watching some kind of show on TV. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a person that came from the other side of the tracks, poor, white trash, military kid, lived around the world, worked my way up uh, the chain and, you know, learned the system. And the government's bad in certain respects because of the taxes and things. And, yeah, there's a, there's a difference between Obama and uh, Bush. Uh, Obama's wavering. He can't make up his mind where he's going to be. Bush was pretty stable. He'd make a decision and stay there. Uh, Obama's a little fluky, flip-floppy, you know, just in, and I think the election here is going to tell the tale. 
but I, I know you guys, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm 53, so I've done a lot of things, lived a lot of places, but there are no models of what you're talking about. These are theories that some college professor, this is my problem with college professors or people like Obama, if you haven't created a job, you haven't worked in the public sector, and you haven't paid bills and, and payroll, you, you, most of the time you don't know what you're talking about. But if you have anarchy, you know, I, I could live with anarchy because I'm a, I'm a military person and I would win. If, if it began to be able to who's bigger and stronger and if you begin to have this, this fight between people out here, if you do go that route, you don't have civil, civil police and some structure and I think Brett has some thoughts. Let's just interrupt for a second. One other thing, I've lived in places in the South where there was no structure, you know, so I know what the wrath of uh, certain groups would would, uh, happen if you were to, say, for instance, we have a code in the South, we don't tell on people, you know, you pretty much have a, a, a rule, and it's a very, very stiff rule, and there are penalties in my group if you break that rule, so it's it's an honorable thing not to say things about people, and we keep our mouth shut, but you know, when you have anarchy and all these other, somebody's going to have to step up. I, I see it every day here in Florida. I see these little young kids, these, these little rappers, they would take every advantage they possibly could or the gangs. And me personally, they're, they're, they're not going to fool with us because they know who we are and mm-hmm. what, what we would do in response. But it's just from being, being here and living here, it's like, no, you don't want to go there with them. But uh, Well, okay, so, uh, let's, let's interrupt Steve for a few minutes and ex- keep uh, talk on, about that. Keep him on keep the on? line if okay. we can. I, sure, I don't know yeah. if he's still there, but I, no, I'd yeah, love I to say he's... something after Brad, too. Yeah, and I mean, really what we're talking about here is, is an evolution in society. I mean, we look at evolutions and, uh, you know, every other part of our lives, especially technology in the last uh, 25 years or so. And, and we're not talking about flipping a switch and having this stateless society or this voluntary society. I know it sounded like the way you started defining anarchy right after you said the word means you already have some preconceived notions about what it is. And I would encourage you to just kind of think about it with no rulers, right? With no, I mean, governments killed 200 million of their own citizens in the last century. And I think as... Uh, things only seem to progress and governments only seem to grow and technology that they have uh, to use to kill people only seems to advance. You know, this century might even be worse, even though Mm. a lot of those mythologies like fascism and communism have now hopefully been left behind, I guess, at least in name. But that seems like the real chaos, right? Is the is the the state, the, you know, unchecked power to do whatever they want and have no accountability. Right. Yeah. And I want to be very clear, like a lot of people talk about this issue, like if I could push a button and make this happen tomorrow, I think a lot of the, the, the fears that you have are absolutely valid because right now people are trained through the school, through the media, through their socialization to be dependents. And you can't have this society emerge overnight. This is something that, like I said, is you know a multi-generational project. And the reason why I focus on education is what we really need is a few generations of adults who raise their children without aggression, without authoritarianism, with dignity and honesty. And that that next generation, those respected children who grow into results, will look at organizations like government and maybe even organized religion, and they'll say, huh? Like, what's going on here? This is totally disrespectful. This is totally disgusting. But we That's have, not how people treat each yeah, other. Yeah. We have all of these leftovers in our society from an age of pre-logic, when for thousands of years, mankind has just been governed by fear or by force. And that's what we're trying to evolve beyond. We're not trying to flip a switch and make that happen uh, 
on you know October seventeenth. And I and I would say that this is not a utopian notion either. When right. when Brett says we're looking to evolve, it, it takes education. And one of the things that I, I I did want to point up with the caller is uh, when we talk about anarchy, we're not talking about the the the. Uh, the popular misconception of anarchy. All we mean is the the structural definition of anarchy, which is the removal of the government apparatus, the apparatus of majority sanctioned theft or legal force. Uh, you can still have protection forces, and it's not a utopian concept to have these done voluntarily. And mm-hmm. and there are these very very good historical precedents to show you, so that you would not veer into the idea that it's all going to be a one guy against another guy situation. And I'll draw your attention to Viking Age Iceland, which lasted for 500 years. They had no government structure; it was all done voluntarily through what they called the God system, and it was all conducted through their houses of worship. Uh, they lasted for 500 years until the climate changed, and they all had to move away. That's just an example, and we can, we'll discuss it more in the program. Were they chased away by the woolly mammoths? Yeah, really. <laughs> more coming up with Steve when we get back from our break. This is Free Talk Live. Give us a call, 1-800-259-9231. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond, TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Zlobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. We're so glad you've stuck with us, continued to listen. Go to uh, archives.freetalklive.com. Check out all the MP3 archives going back for several years. And that is thanks to HostGator.com, of course, for hosting those. And, uh, well, we were talking with Steve before the break. And Steve, are you still with us? Steve listening Uh, from Tampa? Yes. So before the break, we were discussing uh, notions of what a society would be like uh, with no government. And Steve, you were kind of saying that, well, this seems kind of pie in the sky. You guys, maybe maybe you don't have too much experience in the real world, and where has this ever happened? And I know that, uh, you know, we had some thoughts we were sharing with you. You were kind of absorbing them. Gardner and, and Brett did have some more stuff that they wanted to say to you, but what, what did you think of what we were saying so far? Well, you know, it, was, it was very smooth, and then if we had the Star Trek theme behind it, it would it'd probably sound really good, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, we. Uh, but I, I think that you know. I don't know personally. I, I've, I've, I, I'm sort of a warrior, so I look into warrior things in the past. And a bunch of Vikings on an island 500 years ago were not playing happy. You know, it was still dog eat dog. And there's a lot of references to these sort of things. But uh, Iceland was not. The, you know, I, I hear this. It's like it's like trying to tell me everything's great in Europe, or I should be in France right now, where they're where, where they're having. They were the most liberal, liberal, one of the most liberal countries in the in the world. And look at them now. Well, but Steve, it, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't tell you that. And I just want to say, um, you know, this is a kind of uh, 
it doesn't matter. Like, what if there had never been an example of this working? Because to me, and, and tell me what you think, and, and I understand where you're coming from, but this is very much a kind of political thinking. It's a cage that our minds are put into, right? Because we go through our whole lives thinking about politics in terms of left and right instead of right and wrong. So everything is just these binary choices, up, down, this or that, win or lose, especially. Well, well I'll give you an example. I've been running one, an eight. One, one, one second, Steve, and then, okay, and then I'll let you do it. But imagine, like you said, you introduced your call and you said, well, you guys need to show me me an example or a plan for this to work. I mean, imagine if we all had to sit around the royal we in this case as a civilization because somebody said, um, well, show me an example of a car that ever moved or show me an example of a carriage that ever moved without a horse attached to it. When when people were talking about advancing transportation or when people had the courage in the middle of the 19th century to stand up to slavery. And, and the response mm-hmm. was, well, show me a field of cotton that ever got picked without slavery. Yeah, right? it's unrealistic. Those things had never happened. Doesn't mean that it's not worth talking about a world in uh, w- a world where they can happen. Yeah, it's almost. Yeah. Well, I think the problem, the whole problem with the whole concept is, is that it's human nature. It's, it's the nature of the beast. You can. Uh, we. Uh, I've been running an eighteen-year experiment. I decided to take my son and not expose him to a lot of things and do exactly what we went down the love track. I mean, uh, anything, everything. You know, very stable. Uh, you get these kids out, and certain areas he came into a complete, completely different religious. The whole thing gets in the crew, and then they start doing weird things. And the problem, the problem, you you would have to set such a such a stringent set of rules. You would have to monitor these children day in day out because they're not going to be those little lovely flower children. We tried that. I'm a child of the '60s, so you know I, I was there for all the hippie love and all that stuff, and it didn't really work out <laughs> too well. well. Steve. Thank you for the call tonight. We're, we are getting this strange echo. I think we're going to uh, talk about this a little bit uh, uh, <laughs> now I, that we... I, I had some questions I wanted to ask Steve. Um, and uh, Oh, sorry about that, Gar. Oh, that's, that's okay. And, and Steve, I'll, I'll throw these off as hypotheticals for you right oh. now. Uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, maybe if you want to call back, I don't know uh, how the policy works. But, uh, um, Steve, uh, let me just ask you a, a couple questions. Uh, first of all, um, who stops more crimes every year armed citizens or the police armed citizens who gets there after the crimes occur most cases the police do mm. they prevent the crimes when Very seconds rarely. count they're minutes too late right exactly <laughs> they bring so, the chalk though right so already you're talking about a non-government force which is actually the strongest local protection that you have the individual. Okay. Second, um, in arguing against the example that I gave of the Vikings and so on, um, you actually, in a way, support my thesis and undercut your own uh, in many ways. Because what, I'm, what I said was the Vikings lasted for 500 years with a non-state system, a non-government system, which was called the Goddard system based on people who built temples. And you could come and go, and they had an entire judicial arbitration system, which was not a government uh, judicial arbitration system. Right, and that's longer than any government system, right? The the Roman Empire, the, any other? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have you have various things. And then, well, then you've yeah. got the Celtic. The, the Celts had a, a, an interesting system as well that was also non-governmental for, for a number of mm-hmm. years. Um, and the worry... That, 
he compares that to, to the utopian French and their socialism and things like that, and, and that the Vikings, uh, the Vikings had to be tough and so on. Yeah, they had to be tough. They had to defend themselves, and it was nothing like European socialism. It but was he's, completely different. He's picturing but, these hordes of people just going around attacking each other, well, and I don't, exactly think that's, that's, I don't think that's true. That's yeah. right. And the final question I would ask him is this. Do you and I brought this up to some of the kids at a school where I spoke recently and I said, "Do you do you think that you need to have a buying buddy with you mm, yeah. or a friend buddy with you to determine whether or not all of the the market engagements in which you're going to engage, the purchases and sales are proper?" All of the friendships, all the time that you spend with your friends, whether that is proper or not, whether possibly speaking to someone over a line drawn on a map is proper, Mm. whether that is acceptable or unacceptable, and who determines that? And, of course, the moral question is this, and I think Brett would probably get there. If he believes, in the end, that government, the state, is still necessary— would he impose it on me? Mm, can you opt out? Because yeah. I'd like to be left alone. Yeah. And I know a lot of other people who would like to be left alone. And guess what? We have skills. Some of us have skills to defend ourselves, even though we weren't in the military. And some of us will use our money to hire people to help protect us. Maybe rather than looking at the state option that he says he could be the the not the anarchic option that he says he would dominate because he would fight mm. maybe he could sell his protective services and become very wealthy by being a reasonable person and people would not shun him and they would actually hire him to be a protector yeah. that is called voluntarism you see in the voluntary world we can shun the people we don't like we can get rid of those people. You gain a bad reputation for being a thief, for screwing somebody over. But in the government world, there is an insulation factor, and they have completely different incentives. And in fact, you're forced to pay for uh, the person who's a victim of, of a theft or an assault or whatever is victimized twice because exactly. they're forced to pay for uh, putting their aggressor in jail. And they've also been victimized by the aggressor. Right, so, right, right. And, and as Brett said, um, you know, Brett was saying before that... Um, this, you know, it's your example with um, how would a cart go without a horse, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost it almost kind of bogs you down to get caught up in these kind of pragmatic how would things be without a government arguments. Yeah, I, I think it's more important to focus on the system we have now is using force on people, right? right? It's using force, initiating aggression in order to control people's behavior, and how that's that's not okay. But, but to see you, the, the thing, Stephanie, I'm I, I sorry to jump in, but I think a lot of people who are trained in the constitutional side and and lauding the founding fathers. And so on. Their default position is always, well, the Constitution is good enough. You see, if and and they'll look at it as if we have states that are small areas of control of government control that are competing with one another, they would be satisfied with that. It'd be a heck of a lot better than we have now, but it would still be an immoral system. At least you could escape from one state to another, uh, one town to another. If you have smaller areas of control than the large, giant, 
area of control that pulls everybody in and makes us fight against each other for all the resources and everything like that. Yeah. But again, the moral question is not addressed, and they're they're willing to overlook the moral question because they will praise the founders. That you know the guys during the revolution sacrificed a lot. Many of them, others did not, and we don't hear too much about that. So that's their default position. They don't want to address our questions because they say, "I'm I'm satisfied with the Constitution if we just go back to states' rights." Indeed, and more coming up when we return. This is Free Talk Live. Call us at 1-800-259-9231. We do have lots of calls on the line, but we will be looking forward to talking with you and taking your call. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back. We're so glad to have you with us. If you want to listen to Free Talk Live on your cell phone, go to m.freetalklive.com. Check us out there. Many other listening options are also available at the website at freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Do business with businesses that support FTL. So this is Stephanie here with you tonight. And guard. And Brett. And gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. This has been really fun so far. Our phone lines are blowing up, but there's still more uh, time in the show for you to add your thoughts to the discussion. Call us at 800-259-9231, 800-259-9231. And of course, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And Brett looks like he's got something to say. I just have one. I thought of this during the break. I felt kind of bad uh, that we had a, a not so good phone connection with Steve there because we kind of played like the oldest trick in talk radio yeah, you in the book come on in him, after him where yeah. we we cut we cut him off and then we try to answer his question for five minutes and oh well I guess you've got nothing else to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's tough. That's not right? nice. Yeah. That's the pretty standard Limbaugh Hannity maneuver right there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, so, Steve. And, and and it is. It's good to to get that feedback going back and forth where we can talk and and actually, you know, sort of learn from each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think that some of the other callers who are waiting on the line right now uh, will probably have some similar things that'll that'll lead into the points that Mm -hmm. we wanted to discuss with Steve. So uh, why don't we bring on uh, Bill in St. Petersburg? Bill, are you there? You wanted to talk about fiefdoms. (laughs) Bill is here. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. So what was on your mind, Bill? Well, I was I was listening to the to the discussion here, and first off, let me say I'm I'm enjoying it, and I'm trying to uh, to parse this all out, you know, and I'm and I guess uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm not a history buff per se, you know, uh, university history for me was uh, you know 17 U.S. history 1776 forward, you know what I mean? I get this big gap of uh, medieval ages, you know, uh, and then we get into ancient stuff, which is, uh, doesn't really apply, uh, but. For tonight's discussion, uh, sitting here listening, I'm going like, well, gee, guys, not really much difference if we took medieval times as an example, an architectural model to apply here with fiefdoms, right, and and the towns and the uh, you know the the guy, the big man at the top of the hill who owned the property and who had a cluster of people living about. Uh, his area, and he, uh, you know, their allegiance was kind of twofold. Uh, you You're know, talking about he, serfdom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And many people draw comparisons between the system now and serfdom, right? Because, you know, if you live in a house, you're forced to pay property taxes on it, right? You don't actually 
really own your property. But I think what he's saying is that an anarchic system, a non-government system, would just devolve into the uh, strongest guy becoming the king and everybody supporting him. That's often the argument that we hear from people. Is when that sort of did Gardner things. understand you correctly, Bill? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, that's right. There are a few parts here, you know, and it's no pure model, if you will, you know, but, uh, you know, the amalgam of it, you know, is really what both of you just said, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, and so uh, I guess relative to our Constitution, I hear, you know, many people today, as you've noted, you know, oh, yeah, Constitution, you know, we, we stand by it and we stand on it and we believe it and, you know, it's great and all that. Well, Bill, let's address that. Let's address what you've said so far before you go any further about the, the feudal system, okay? Uh, yes. The feudal system existed throughout, you know, most of medieval times, uh, you know, from probably the fall of the Byzantine Empire up until the Age of Enlightenment. All that period is pretty much the medieval age, right? Now, we're talking about an idea that time might be coming soon. Maybe not even right now, but, you know, 10 years from now, a generation from now, something that we can start working towards now. Such an idea would not have worked uh, 600 years ago because that was before the age of reason. So if a feudal serf went, who had just been born into this system went to the feudal lord and said, hey, you know, I realize you, it looks like you have a pretty great life. You live up on the hill there. You dress nice. You eat uh, fancy food. I see you're having some lemonade. How come I have to sleep in a shack uh, with nine other people and a goat after doing 18 hours of farm labor every day? Well, what would the feudal lord have said? Well, God has a plan for you. You know, God, this is what God wants for you. So we've moved beyond or we are moving uh, beyond that mythology that can be used to control people. So then he says, oh, well, go be a good little serf. And then if you, you know, if you do a nice job out in the field, we can come in and I'll read you, uh, you know, a few passages from the only book you've ever seen. The Bible, <laughs> right. So we are finally moving out of that age of pre-logic where religion, uh, you know, people are certainly entitled and welcome to whatever spiritual beliefs they have, but because we've incorporated science now, they can't be used to control people. Do you see how that works? Yes, yes, absolutely. I understand. And, and what I would say, too, is that the, I think the, uh, the point, too, to be, from what you just said was that these, um, you know, we're, we're when you look at what's happening today and the unrest with the, the, the masses, if you will, over that and the discontent across a number of areas, you know, is that we're steering ourselves, whether we like it or not, I think, you know, toward a direction where part of this is going to evolve, you know what I mean, and it will be mm. part of the new model of, of a structure of power. I, 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 I guess constitutionally we have that, and you know, as far as a... A cornerstone, yeah, on which we built uh, the the rest of the foundation. Yeah, but I don't know about I, that bill constitutionally, but we do have a lot of other calls on the line, so I think we're going to have to uh, let you go. And thanks for the thoughts tonight. Thanks, bill. And just a just a, a real real quick point about those people who think that a non-state system would devolve into a feudal king lord um, system. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is important for anybody to understand uh, is. Uh, not understand, but for for people to just think about, um, I don't want to sound so you know aggressive to say you got to understand this. But um, one of the things that I think is interesting to ponder is that in the history of man, you did not need government to do certain things, and it and the system did not break down. One of those things is trade. The other is the means by which you conduct the trade. 
human beings acting of their own volition amongst other human beings who want to maximize their pleasure and minimize their pain and exclude bad actors who will gain bad reputations begin trading with each other because we all have different skills and interests and we do what we're good at or most interested in. So you get division of labor leads to trade. Mm -hmm. Okay. Barter systems become fairly complex because maybe the guy who wants his uh, wants his trees cut down doesn't want the goat that you've got, but somebody else who likes cocoa wants a goat. And this guy, you got to see whether the first guy wants cocoa, and it becomes multi-person bartering. is very frustrating. <laughs> so organically, without a king, without a president, without even a parliament or a representative body that supposedly makes us all we the people, which mm-hmm. is bogus. Yeah. People organically, in order to facilitate trade, came up with something called money. And you would not have trade, you would not have money, which preceded government, if you needed to have government. Government came in when certain interests found it within their best interest to start aggregating the power to themselves and it all had to do with writing the laws down getting their little tentacles into everybody's business indeed when we return we have many multiple calls on the line we're still looking forward to your call at 800-259-9231 this is free talk live we'll be back this is free talk live thank you so much for listening this is stephanie here with you and guard and brett and i just wanted to make sure that uh we did recognize gardner and brett for their wonderful podcast want to promote what they're doing spreading the message of liberty and of course we are talking about liberty tonight uh gardner has his wonderful podcast the liberty conspiracy which you can find at libertyconspiracy.com is that right 10 four good buddy we got ourselves a convoy freedom is out of fashion <laughs> and of course, Brett uh, Binot from the School Sucks podcast. You can find him at schoolsucksproject.com. Indeed. Is that I right? I love these titles School Sucks and Liberty Conspiracy. It's easy <laughs> to remember. It's like, all oh, right, you know? Uh, yeah, but people stuff. say it's so juvenile. I always get that. Schools, yeah. how could you? How could you name something that? Well, it's not because, I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, the school system is sucking off the productive exactly. capacity of Absolutely. everyone who's forced to pay for it and forced to attend and having their creativity and curiosity sucked out of them as well. Sucks all the best attributes out of us uh, as little kids, replaces it with obedience, uh, conformity, and apathy. But then, once all that stuff's gone and the obedience, conformity, and apathy is there, you're ready for citizenship. You got it. Mm -mm. You're ready to vote. You're ready to pay your taxes. You're ready to cheer for people like George Bush and Barack Obama. Soup is good food. (laughs) (laughs) So is Kool-Aid. Exactly. (laughs) Indeed. And if you want to check out my show, I do a show called Pork Therapy, where we talk about relationships from a liberty-oriented perspective. You can find me at porktherapy, P-O-R-C, therapy.com. Now, our phones have been just blowing up tonight, but uh, first I wanted to tell you about uh, the AMP program. Advertise, Market, and Promote is what it stands for. And if you become an amplifier, you pay $3 a month to help spread the message of liberty far and wide through Free Talk Live. Uh, And you can go to amp.freetalklive.com to get the details, find out all the perks you can get if you become an amplifier. So um, we did actually have a call on the AMP lines. Uh, that's one of the perks that you can get when you sign up. But uh, I believe he uh, dropped off, was going to tell us a good good cop story. Uh, so 
Matt, if you're interested, you can call back. Meanwhile, we go to our uh, other phone lines, and I think we're going to bring on Sam in Myrtle Beach who wanted to talk about Obama. Are you there, Sam? Sam, Hi, how's it going? Hi, Sam. What's on your mind tonight? I just wanted to get back to Obama for a moment. You were talking about he appears to be indecisive. There are two very basic reasons for that. I believe... Number one is his obvious lack of executive experience. The man has no executive experience. Obviously, the ind- some indecision comes from that. The, but the main reason is he has a real chance to be reelected in 2012. He's not going to show his real socialist side, his real socialist cards until then, even though if you read his books, he is very close to Marxist professors. He says it. You just read what he's written. He's left-wing all the way. But he's not going to come out and show that. He'll appear indecisive to the liberals because he is not going to show it. Now, in 2012, if he's reelected, you'll see really what he, he is all about. So he's playing possum. So, is that what you're saying? So that's my point. Sorry? You're saying he's basically playing possum. He's not showing, yeah, exactly. he's not showing us all his cards. See, you know, it's funny yeah. because I haven't felt that he's been indecisive at all. He had an agenda. In fact, many of the Republican commentators were saying, oh, he's going to wait till after his first year in office to really start pushing for the health reform initiative that he wants, which is just medical fascism and complete, patently unconstitutional and also completely immoral um, but and economically destructive. But he moved on it within the first six months. He moved fast. I think he's trying to get as much done as he possibly can, and the only thing that's holding him up is the fact that most of his economic policies in the Federal Reserve are absolutely destructive and more and more people are starting to realize, oh, I'm screwed in my business. So the economy is doing pretty bad and he's having a hard time with that. But he's been pushing a lot of his agenda. So, you know, I don't see where he's been indecisive anywhere. Well, one the main indecisive point would be, say, Afghanistan. Our foreign policy now with him is a joke simply because he says we're going to build up troops now then we're going to pull them out. So he's going to tell them exactly what we're going to do. Uh, why tell the enemy exactly where you're going to go? That's that's a point of indecision. Well, I mean, there are several let's, others. Let's let me ask you a quick question. Uh, you mentioned executive experience and indecision, and then you also mentioned we in Afghanistan. First, what is your opinion about executive experience, and how does that tie into the executive branch? And then my follow up would be if that is the case. Why would he be in Afghanistan at all if he is the chief executive when the Congress declares war, which they have not declared? Well, most of the former presidents have had executive experience, mainly in being former governors. And that's, that is executive experience. Even in Arkansas, that would even be considered executive experience for Bill Clinton. But seriously, on the uh, as far as Afghanistan goes, though, I just believe that his foreign policy is just completely dictated by the left, and uh, there's there's really no room for him to move on that because that's his whole core of you know that's his whole core of people that vote for him. Yeah, but just just a, just a real quick, real quick. If you're saying he's supposed to be chief executive and he's not acting like the other chief executives, the chief executive in the White House swears an oath to protect and defend the United States Constitution, as do everyone who enters the military, correct? That's right. Okay. There has been no declaration of war in Afghanistan, correct? That's correct. Which is which means that the military operation there is operating in a fashion that is contrary to what? Well, it's uh, I the mean, Constitution. 
Yeah, absolutely. Unconstitutional so, so, if he doesn't declare war. Right. He does not. It's the Congress which has not, and he he took over after George Bush. So he is now functioning functionally operating in an unconstitutional military conflict. Therefore, if he were the chief executive, he would order all those troops out immediately, would he not? The chief executive who defends the Constitution, would he not? Well, yeah, he should. He right. really should do that. Exactly. Yeah. And Sam, thank you so much for the call tonight. I think we've got to move on. But uh, I know, Brett, you probably had some thoughts on this. But wasn't it? It was Randolph Bourne who said, war is the health of the state, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I kind of just wanted to touch on that because, you know, the, the, the reasons for being in these wars in the Middle East are, are so, you know, kind of spurious. And uh, really, uh, even if Congress had declared war, do you, I mean, do you think that would make it right? I don't think so. My question was, what, did, what, what was meant by the phrase, a foreign policy dictated by the left? Like mm-hmm. uh, Vietnam, Korea, World War II, Woodrow Wilson, like right. that's Point. the left. Yeah. Okay, so what, what, <laughs> these people are not pacifists. It's not like one side, oh, you know, we're strong and we're going to protect you. And the other side is like, oh, no, we should have peace. They're all, uh, you know. People who get into that kind of power, like I said, it just goes back to these basic principles, the basic psychological profile of the people who want that kind of power over others. Those kind of people don't mind killing other people right? or don't mind making decisions that lead to the deaths of and, innocent people. And another quick question, real quick. I know you, you want to get over to the next calls. Is those people who think that if the United States government does not send troops over there, over there in an unconstitutional war, and, and right now, like I said, like we discussed in the first hour, we're just talking on the constitutional level to show the hypocrisy of both of these <laughs> sides. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you make a great point. Even if they were to declare war, would that be proper? Um, the, the, the point is, what what rationale do people offer? Well, I've heard from many of the people who are on the conservative side, well, um, we're fighting the war on terror. Again, use of the term war in a very slippery, loose, nonsensical way. It's not a war. It's a military attack. And um, what are we supposedly seeing the government do? Are they stopping the terrorism? Are they inspiring more? Um, yeah. And what exactly were the terrorists and are the terrorists trying to do? And when you ask that question, typically what you encounter is, well, they're trying to bring us down. Yeah, they hate us because they're free because of yeah, our freedom, because right? Because of our freedom and so on <laughs> and so forth. They're trying to destroy America, and then you say, well, define that destroy America. What do you mean? Well, they're trying to bring us down, which is just restating the argument. And you say, look, yeah, how? What are they going to invade? It kind of just becomes a, a truism after a certain point, you know, right. because there's no it's kind of circular reasoning. And, you know? and what you need to do is look at what o- Osama bin Laden wrote as his four planks for attacking the United States, which yes. has nothing to do with American culture, Christianity or anything. It had to do with America's alliance with Israel, which they hate. America's uh, bases on sacred Saudi soil, mm-hmm. the embargo against Iraq, and flyover, flyovers against Iraq. There were four Basically planks. all just meddling in the Middle East. Precisely. It's yes. a jihad. That's it. Absolutely. So we do have some other calls on the line. Thank you so much for being patient and hanging on. When we return, we'll delve more into this as well as uh, we have a couple of George Bush supporters. So we're going to talk to them. Feel free to give us a call at 800-259-9231. That is, of course, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we will be back shortly with more about Bush, Obama, whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We're back and we're so glad you're here with us. This is Stephanie here with you tonight. And Guard. And Brett. 
Indeed. And I'm so glad to have these two wonderful, intelligent gentlemen joining me in the studio tonight. If you like the show and you want to help us out, go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Percentage of each sale goes back to the show and it doesn't change the normal prices that you pay. Quick and easy way to help out your favorite uh, radio program. <laughs> and I need to tell you about the Totasac. It's the one trip wonder for hauling goods from your vehicle to your home. And it's now available uh, to fundraisers and small independent resellers of general merchandise. Uh, Totasac is a retail grocery bag carrier that handles more than you can. Visit totasac.us on the net and write to us. Uh, or if you wish to purchase, uh, click through to get a couple or a family pack of six. Wholesale orders welcome with generous discounts. Uh, the original green thing that has been available since 1997. And we're back. This is Free Talk Live, the show about your calls. You can give us a call at 800-259-9231. That is, of course, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we've had a couple of callers who have been hanging on really patiently uh, on the lines uh, one of those was, uh, let's see, Sean. And Sean, I believe, is a Bush supporter listening in Indiana. Are you there, Sean? Uh, yes, and uh, no, I'm not a Bush supporter. I was calling in to uh, rebut one of the original guys who was a Bush supporter. I see. Thank, Thank you for the call. call. So uh, why don't you tell us more about that? Uh, sure. He he came on and stated, you know, and trying to explain some differences between uh, Bush and Obama, the Bush uh uh, wanted to get rid of the assault weapons ban. Well, I have it's from the Washington Post. There's an article here, and there's a quote from Scott McClellan, who was the White House spokesman. Uh, it says, the president supports the current law and supports reauthorizing the current law. And Bush said during his presidential campaign that he supported the assault weapon ban. Uh, and then also he stated that uh, Bush never instituted anything on the level of the mandate that Obama has instituted with health care. Well, if you look at the way that Bush was trying to privatize Social Security, what he was doing was instead of giving the money back to the people so that they could invest it any way they saw pot, they saw uh, fit, he instead was going to take Social Security funds and, and have the government invest it for us. Mm-hmm. Therefore, to me... That's basically the same thing as the government telling me how to spend my money. Yes, indeed. I, I mean, it's it's just empty rhetoric, and there's really no difference between them. Brett has looking like he has something to say. I'm sorry, uh, I, I know. No, I that's good. Like that. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, this uh, Sean, you were on hold for a long time, and I and I was just saying uh, during the break, we spent a lot of time tonight sp- uh, talking about these. You know, crazy, violent, authoritarian, sociopathic strangers who don't care about any of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, since you spent so much time on hold, wh- well, where are you coming from on all of this politically? You said you're not, uh, you know, a Bush supporter. Where where do you well, come no. from? I, I originally started as a Democrat supporter in high school. You know, I was I was an anybody but Bush person. I thought Bush was the Antichrist mm. who was basically sent here to, you know, destroy everything that was built wholly in this country. Uh, then after some uh, conversations I had with one of my more liberty-oriented friends, although he was not anywhere near as uh, uh, in liberty as you guys were, uh, he started opening me up to it. And then... Uh, about the Ron Paul campaign came up, and uh, and I, I was you know inundated over and over again after I learned about Ron Paul and took the action to learn more about it. Uh, I got more involved, more involved, and I've since now you know starting from what is commonly determined to uh, uh, sorry is commonly referred to today as the left. I've now shifted towards the libertarian, which is as uh, the Nolan chart shows up, not really to the right. Above it uh, yes. Yeah, above and it all. Go to and, uh, what and, the world's smallest political quiz to uh, check that out. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 And uh, I've, I've now even since I feel moved past that to more of an anarcho-capitalist side, but uh, I've, I don't really like using the word anarcho-capitalist because it infers, again, that capitalism is, is some type of uh, means. I'm more of a voluntary, like, like you guys always argue, I'm a voluntary society person. Mm-hmm. And vo- a voluntary society doesn't necessarily mean that I have to you know, uh, respect private property per se, if as long as uh, as I'm voluntarily entering into the agreement that the property that I own is collectively owned by other people, and so there was a great article put up by a Center for a Stateless Society uh, that talked about this, how anarcho-capitalism, and I believe uh, Ian and, and Mark had talked about this earlier uh, this week that. Uh, the idea that anarcho-capitalism cannot exist, and I and I believe that in the mm-hmm. sense of capitalism as as the term capitalism, mm-hmm. because if you have a completely voluntary world, uh, you know people are going to enter into so many different types of agreements that that you know one group might want a complete property style. Uh, you know, property rights built society. Others might like the idea of some sort of collective ownership, like a and, co-op you know, or you, something. Yeah, 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 a co-op. And all those things are completely can, uh, available and 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 worthwhile as long as, in my opinion, it comes back to the basic points of you're not forcing or coercing anybody to do anything against their will. Absolutely, Sean. Very well said. And thank you so much for the call tonight. We really appreciate your perspective. I think uh, probably all of us may describe ourselves as uh, voluntarists or voluntarists. Yeah, I moved away from the whole anarcho-capital. It does have that sort of connotation where he conjures up a picture of like, you know, somebody who's throwing bombs with a big cigar and a big stripe suit. (laughs) And and, and it's very interesting because Sheldon Richmond from Foundation for Economic Education, one of the greatest uh, libertarian thinkers around, uh, Sheldon uh, a while ago said, look, I think it's time that we we try to move away or drop the use of the term capitalism. He says it was actually a term that was started by Marx. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, yeah, that's interesting. And and uh, move towards free market, voluntarism, and things like that. And I think capitalism is often misunderstood to mean, especially when I talk to some of my friends over in the UK who are hardcore socialists, uh, they think that it means uh, what Adam Smith described as mercantilism. They think it's, mm. it's government helping certain special interests businesses yes. and crony so, capitalism right? right crony capitalism corporatism Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so if we can get away from that that's great and and yeah. one of the things i think is interesting to say what what he had to say is very interesting because uh, a lot of people say well look you can't have you have to have private property in order to survive what he's saying is we create our own social modes of acceptable behavior mm-hmm. and we don't need to go to some higher government authority to say, please, sir, write these down, and uh, we will let you forcibly take whatever you want from us. You don't need that. You can do private arrangements with people, come up with your own arrangements, and say, these are the rules. And what I believe was one of the biggest mistakes just prior to the Enlightenment period was when the, the people from the feudal system actually started to have their common law rules, the societal modes of acceptable behavior, written down. Hmm. Because the minute you have them written down, 
then someone is going, whoever you're having writing them down, the government, whatever Someone's going to go, oh, I can write down whatever I want. I'm going to write more. I'll yeah. write this. Oh, I'll write this to help my friends do this. I'm yeah. going to, and that yeah. is the beginning of the end. I mean, morality kind of goes without saying in most instances, Precisely. right? You don't hit up, you don't hit people, you don't take their stuff. Exactly. And, yeah. and generally speaking, you know, you can get deeply into the philosophy on this, but generally speaking, people try to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. When they encounter other people who are trying to do the same, they come up with mutually agreeable modes of behavior that say you can be uh, you will do the most you can do without hurting me and mm-hmm. I'll be able to do the most I can do without hurting you yeah. and so you don't need the government you don't need John Locke to write all this stuff now because we organically are wired this way generally speaking and we exclude the bad guys we try to push them out indeed and I think we do have a caller on the line who wants to talk about this very thing that we're discussing right now ladies do come first on free talk live so we have Good. Vicky in Clearwater Florida and Vicky are you there with us Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for calling. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I mean, I really like what you guys are saying. I've never even heard any of this before. And the idea of, you know, enforcing anything on anybody is, I really appreciate that and using force. Mm-hmm. But my concern is that, you know, in the third world countries, you have these thugs that run these countries and they use force and guns and, and the people are completely oppressed can't do anything. They can't even overthrow these people if they want. So what is to prevent that if we don't have a government that some guy who's got a bunch of guns and he just takes over and we're stuck? That's an excellent question. Uh, Brett looks like he has some thoughts too. Well, I think right now, one of the reasons why that happens is because those people are incentivized to be thugs because of the way foreign aid money moves in and out of countries. Remember too that the people who are distributing foreign aid from government have no incentive to see that it really winds up where it needs to be. And we hear about this. I mean, right now, one of the things that's happening in Africa, northern Africa, and maybe even into the Middle East, is people are basically buying al-Qaeda in their country, where they're inviting terrorists into their country to go to the U.S. government and say, oh, we need terrorist anti-terrorism money because we have al-Qaeda here. Indeed. And we are coming up on a break. But Vicki, thank you so much for the call. We'll get into this and explore a little more when we return. This is Free Talk Live. You can call us at 800-259-9231. We look forward to your thoughts. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us again. This is your host, Stephanie, with you. And Guard. And Brett. And, of course, we are filling in for Mark and Ian, who will be back on Monday there at a talk radio convention, schmoozing with all the big wigs, rubbing elbows, and all that important stuff. And I think they're also visiting Libertopia, which is happening this weekend as well. So uh, we will look forward to hearing the update from them when they return. And uh, I need to let you know about HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL as in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. And you can also go to hostgator.freetalklive.com. That is, of course, our website, freetalklive.com. 
And this is the show about your calls. Uh, the phones are loaded up, so I think I'll probably refrain, refrain from uh, giving out the phone number uh, as of this moment. But, gentlemen, we were talking before the break with Vicky, and uh, she was kind of wondering, uh, in a society with no government, which is, of course, what we've been uh, discussing tonight, uh, what would prevent sort of gangs from overrunning things? And she, she kind of cited these third world countries. The first thing that I thought of when, when I heard her call was that, you know, um, in some cases, some of these third world countries, they're, they're run by these dictators, right? And so, uh, you know, they can't allocate resources to the people as they say. And so, you know, the people still have wants for things. And so some things are available on the black market, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, TV or internet in Cuba. That's what I'm thinking of. And so, uh, you know, anything that's criminalized tends to go onto the black market, creates a lot of crime. What do you, uh, what do you gentlemen think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the most the most important thing with this issue, and of course, absolutely right, we see that foreign, we see that domestic, we <laughs> see that in America, we see that in Africa for sure. But money is taken from force, uh, by force, sorry, money is taken by force, moved around by bureaucrats. Uh, the worst kinds of people in the world are going to gravitate towards that, mm-hmm. foreign or domestic. They are going to say, wow, that's a lot of money that was taken by force, being managed by irresponsible people with no incentives to make sure it's needs to uh, get to this place or that place, and they're going to jump right in and grab it. That's usually what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at the the warlord situation, it was funny. We were talking off the air, everybody, about the <laughs> Phil Hartman Saturday Night Live skit about Somalia and the warlords when he was in McDonald's. He was supposedly going jogging, and he, he's ripping off food from everybody's plates like it's the warlords intercepting the uh, the food aid. But um, the, the context in, in which uh, Vicky's question appears is partially tied it's it's partially a, a theoretical question of course trying to investigate the root of the theory of what would happen if you had a stateless society would it tend to aggregate towards uh, these uh, agglomerations of power and and guns and things like that, or violence um, versus yeah. versus free trade, which is really exactly. like one of the basis of a free society. It's voluntary right. relationships between people. Yeah, and and part of the problem is it's it, you, it's difficult to see it without looking through the prism, hmm. the anti-Panglossian prism, uh, you know, view of of what we have today. As as Brett brought up before the break, and you know these these areas have been funneled with weapons from various states. They're continued to be messed around with by the various states. But what's interesting is um, there have been some terrific – if you go to Reason Magazine's website, Reason Reason Magazine, uh, Reason.org, uh, the Reason Foundation did some terrific studies on Somalia uh, when there was no government there. Mm-hmm. And the people were prospering. They were doing very well. Yeah, cell phones sprang up right in the midst of yes. this kind of war torn. In the midst of all this yeah. craziness, you get you get a system that starts to rise up. Now there are a lot of forces from outside of Somalia trying to mess with who wins Somalia, mm-hmm. but the people themselves and the free traders were actually making what is important happen. They were making new new businesses. They were bringing in new products. They were doing new things. They were because establishing an order there themselves, which we always do. They had no one who was demanding, uh, oh, pay me this much money and fill out these forms, and we're going to have to inspect you before you can open up your business. No, they just did it. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. 
So actually, um, you know, we're talking about liberty here tonight, right? We're talking about freedom, voluntary associations, and relationships among people that are totally consensual. And I believe we have Blake on the lines in Virginia who wants to talk about the Free State Project. Uh, we, we spoke a little bit about the Free State Project before. It's a uh, movement to get 20,000 liberty-loving people to move to one state, and that's New Hampshire, and uh do their creative activism in order to get a free society in our lifetime. So, Blake, what did you have to say? What were your thoughts about the Free State Project? Um, well, I talked to Muhammad, and he didn't really get to say a whole lot about it. Um, Are you talking about um, Muhammad is a guy who uh, lives in New Hampshire, but he's riding his bike across the U.S. on a project called uh, the Liberty Tour, I believe, and he's talking to people and promoting the Free State Project. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So you met Muhammad, and, and you had a conversation with him? Yes. Um, he, he stayed at our house, and... Um, mm-hmm. We were, yeah, we were, um, you know, asking him a lot of questions, and um, uh, we were just wondering if you, uh, y'all could go more in-depth with this. Absolutely. And, Blake, thank you so much for the call. We will try to expound on that a little bit. Uh, so, gentlemen, what do you think uh, about the Free State Project? Gardner, I know you've grown up here in New Hampshire. You're not a, a Free State Project participant, right, because you already lived here. Yeah, true. Am I the only one? I, yeah, both you came from outside the state, correct? I yes. sort of. I grew up in New Hampshire as well. I wasn't but born you, here, and I didn't live here for a long time. Right, so you're sort of more like like me, uh, in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up here, and then I went out to California for a little bit in Vancouver. But yeah, I think it's just terrific. I, I think um, the the... The goals of the Free State Project, if those of you who are listening on a Saturday night, there are a lot more listeners and so on. If you haven't heard, maybe you've not come across Free Talk Live. Uh, Free Talk Live is the product of two very creative guys, Mark and Ian, who started up the radio program. They are Free State Project members. And the Free State Project is a group of uh, liberty-minded people who uh, wanted to try to move somewhere where they could uh, go someplace where it was a fairly small government, not as intrusive as in some of the other states, and live amongst other people and try to work towards a freer society. Yeah, and, and concentrate uh, the the people. Exactly, I mean, their creative powers and so on. Yes. The kind of idea is that, you know, um, Mormons in Utah or uh, sort of hippies or socialists in Vermont, you know, have had a huge effect on the local culture and uh, the way that things are in certain places. And so the idea is to bring people to uh, an area where there's already sort of a, a strong libertarian sentiment, right? Like the uh, the state motto, so-called, is uh, is live free or die here in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And that's part of a quote that says, uh, live free or die for death is not the worst of all evils. Now, I, right, I right? happen to think, I, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I happen to think that uh, the term free state is... Obviously, a an oxymoron, a complete oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, there have been some people um, who want to call it the No State Project, or and I actually like that idea, but uh, they were branded as they are the Free State Project. That's okay. And, yeah. and for those people who aren't, you know, uh, voluntarists like us, maybe they're more in. They they just haven't been convinced by some of the arguments. They'd like to look into it further. Um, there is a place for you in the in the Free State Project too. There's there are a lot of people who go to get involved with the state house politics and try to resist the growth of government, try to pare things down, uh, and they're very welcome within the Free State Project. There are other people who are a total anti-government people, and um, 
and like us, and they work uh, in a philosophical way. They'll they'll argue. They'll do their their podcasts like we do on on our on our websites, or yeah. they'll get involved spreading with the actually, ideas of freedom. Yeah, they'll become yeah. activists. Like Keen is the Center for Activism in New Hampshire. So there are places for all of you, and Free State Project is is just a great great place to meet kindred spirits. Yeah, about the name. I mean, I kind of look at it as like a state of mind, right? You're in a free state. You're in a free state of mind. Yeah, I like I like to think of it that way, and even though maybe that's not how it was intended. Well, and it's practical, too, because, you know, and I usually don't come at things from the pragmatism angle, but it's practical, too, because it casts uh, or it, it has a large tent, right? So people who are just getting interested in, in these ideas can come here and they can see the different stages towards like, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but what I would call complete uh, you know, political consistency, mm-hmm. yes. which, yeah, which we would true. say is voluntarism. Yeah. So people can, you know, come in and try out their minarchism. And I think eventually they'll they'll learn more about voluntarism and hopefully get there. But they'll evolve their own ex- personal views. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is Free Talk Live. Feel free to give us give us a call. Although the phones are loaded up, you can call us at 1-800-259-9231. We look forward to hearing your thoughts. Free Talk Live. We will return. This is Free Talk Live. Stephanie here with you. And Guard. And Brett. And we're launching into another segment. The phone lines are just loaded up, and we thank all of our wonderful listeners for calling in and sharing their thoughts with us tonight. I think we're going to take some calls and not even bother to give out the number because it's kind of late in the show. Um, amp lines take priority. This is, uh, I believe, Brett from copblock.org on the amp lines with us. Brett, are you there? Yeah. Hey, what's on your I, mind tonight? Uh, well, I wanted to ask about, I had, a, or had some questions about education. Okay, and uh, what were those questions? Uh, well, I was having a conversation with uh, some people about public schools the other day, and I just, you know, when I found out, when I found out Brett was going to be on, I thought, man, you know, it'd be a good time to call in about it. Absolutely. You know, th- Brett from School Sucks, by the way, if anyone's just tuning in, Brett has a podcast called School Sucks. You can check him out, schoolsucksproject.com, right? Absolutely. Brett, big fan of your work, by the way. At Coplock. Oh, thank you. Um, and Coplock yeah, is a pro-police accountability website, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, pro-police accountability. Excellent. So you continue know. on, Brad. I'm sorry I interrupted okay. you. Oh, that's fine. Um, you know, they were just, they were talking about, um, well, started with, you know, a couple people I was talking to them. They were, you know, they started the conversation with, you know, couldn't figure out why people wanted to get rid of public schools. You know, they thought people that wanted to get rid of public education you know, it was basically out of their mind. You know, they couldn't figure it out. You know, I tried to tell them, you know, about how, you know, how much it costs, you know, just for one student a year there, you know, and about how you're forced to pay for it, you know. Why would you want to turn your child's mind over to the government and everything? You know, one of the guys saying, you know, you know, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I teach my kids don't join the military, but, you know, he's all fine with, you know, if something bad's happening, you call the police, you know, at public schools, okay. You mm-hmm. know, and I'm trying to tell them. Yeah, you know, the homeschooling, I tried to get telling you know, homeschooling was a better way to go. You know, it's a lot cheaper, you know, and, and if you want to see the differences, I was like, just watch the National Spelling Bee every year. You, know, <laughs> you can just sit there every year and watch the homeschool kids just clean up that thing every year. And how There's unfortunate no that, that the, you were talking about the money aspect, right? But how unfortunate right. that if, if you homeschool a child or if you have no children or anything like that, um, you're still forced to pay for the public school system, usually via property right. taxes. 
So, if you want to keep yeah, your house. Yeah. If you want to keep your house, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Brett, Brett in the studio, did you have any thoughts about that? What do you think uh, Brett should tell this this person? Well, Brett, just as, as a general approach, I really suggest, you know, asking people questions and, and really, you know, listening to, to what you're getting from people and then trying to to present questions. And, you know, you can usually find a way to, I mean, if you're patient and if you're calm, which isn't always the easiest thing to do, but when you're having a conversation with somebody who supports the government education system, you know, they want to start from a position of um, virtue, Right. Whenever we're arguing with anybody about any aspect of government, the first thing that they want to come at you with is, well, you're this crazy anarchist, voluntarist, utopian guy, because the things that you're arguing against are good. You know, this is virtuous. This is this is actually not a bad thing. Then it might be okay to introduce some facts and ask them some questions that they can't answer about why and how it's good. And then you will immediately, you can see this over and over again, you will see them retreat to a position of, okay, fine, not good, but necessary, but necessary. So they, they switch from an argument of principle to an argument of pragmatism, and it's not switching, it's retreating. Right. And if you can show them that there would be other ways to educate people besides cramming a thousand uh, unwilling participants into a concrete building every day and telling them what to learn and when they're good and when they're bad, um, <laughs> which is not education at all, at all. It's you know basically glorified animal training that goes on in those buildings. Uh, then they might even just retreat to this last-ditch effort uh, position. Well, it is what it is. It's there. Uh, that's the system, man. And the, I had somebody back all the way into the... If you could imagine a more icy-cold, pragmatic argument than this one. Um, after I went through the history of the system, the true intentions of the system, how the system came here from Prussia, it had nothing to do with education. It was about inculcating obedience uh, conformity and really political and social apathy into people to get them ready to be tax livestock and compliant employees and uh, foot soldiers. Their final argument was, well, having good schools, I like paying property taxes for good schools because that increases my property value. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, oh, so heartbreaking. They now, just weren't listening. Now, yeah. Well, so this is where you see if a person is really like, do they really believe these things? Or are they just trying to make these rationalizations because they don't have a bunch of Xanax handy? Because they, you know, they know you're, they know <laughs> you're telling them the truth. They know there's no rational arguments against what they're saying. So I said, well, what if you figured out how much value you could add to your property just by withholding or shorting your property tax checks, the percent that goes to school every year for like 10 years, and then maybe you put in a pool or you build on a deck or you refinish your house or you redo your roof. Maybe you can increase your... property value even more or you educate your kid with that or oh, you give yeah. it to a charity where um another people another person's child can get be educated in a quality way right that's yeah. a great way to do it you've got and uh, i applaud you brett for for having that wherewithal and the the quick thinking mind to be able to switch it around and say well look you know that's the mind of an economist right there yeah. to say look there are other things you could be doing with your money that would improve your home but you're not seeing these things right. yeah what is seen really and what is not seen a conversation that I don't want to be in, Brett, where I'm listening to somebody rationalize the psychological destruction of tr- children because uh. them paying for it can increase their property value by a thousand dollars a it's year. It's like a That's, slave owner. It's really gross. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Dis- yeah, Brett, did you have any final thoughts or any more questions? Yeah, well, you know, one other thing I try and tell them, you know, it's just you know, you're forced to put your kids into these schools because they got there's a, a couple in my town. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they've 
what they've decided yet or if anything's been decided, but the, the government in my town, you know, they were really coming after this couple because, you know, they had their kid in the government schools, but just because this kid had missed so many days, I think it was last school year, I think like they said like over 50 days, you know, they kept their kid out of school. I don't know if it was purpose, probably on purpose and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, they were trying to say that, you know, it's child neglect or something like that because they were keeping their kid out of school so much. And they were really, you know, trying to throw all this jail time or some kind of penalties at this, you know, at this couple. And I just I thought that this is one reason why I want to get my kid out of the public schools. Wow. Well, that's well, the government really, motto. Really trying yeah. To control you, the, the government motto. If force doesn't work, try force. Yeah. The yeah. parallel between schools and jail. You're not at this place where you're forced to be. So let's put you in a different place where you're forced to be. Exactly. <laughs> Brett, yeah. thank you so much for the call tonight. Thanks, we really Brett. appreciate your, your thoughts and insights. Uh, okay, we've got some other calls on the line. Um, let's bring on John in Austin, Texas. He wants to talk about capitalism, the loaded term. Are you there, John? Yeah, I'm here. Can you all hear me okay? Absolutely. Say What's hi on to your... emos for me down in Austin sometime, all right, man? I oh, love yeah. that club. Good music it's a great there. place. Yeah, it's a good one. Have you been to the highball yet? No, I plan to get down there when they have the World Horror Convention next year, man. I'll look for you. Very nice. So, John, what's on your mind tonight? What are your thoughts about capitalism? Well, no, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing how well it works. Uh, capitalism? I, yes. <laughs> so how how do you define capitalism? Because we were just uh, talking about this a little earlier tonight in the show, um, how that term uh, was originated from, from Karl Marx, actually, who was a, a communist, right? And he used it as a kind of a pejorative thing. Uh John, I think we're coming up on a break, but we're going we're gonna to hold you through and see what your thoughts are when we return. You can give us a call at 1-800-259-9231. That is, of course, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And we are Free Talk Live. We're coming back more with John. We're going to find out what he thinks about capitalism. Stick around. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This is Stephanie here with you. And Garth. And Brett. And of course, we are filling in for Mark and Ian. They are at a talk radio convention tonight. They've given us the keys to the studio, and we are having so much fun. I am so glad you gentlemen are here. Just uh, just one more time. Uh, and I need to let you all know about Jurisdictionary.com. Have you ever considered taking your case to court without an attorney? Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people without a lawyer who must know what it takes to win and for people with lawyers that want to minimize legal fees and maximize winning by knowing what should be done. It works for plaintiffs or defendants. It costs less than an hour with any good lawyer, and it is so easy. An average eighth grader can go through the complete four CD course in a single weekend. Get it at Jurisdictionary.com. 
And, of course, you can check us out at freetalklive.com. Many ways to listen there, or maybe you're listening on the radio, as some of our callers are. And, gentlemen, we've had a lot of uh, callers tonight. We're talking, of course, about liberty, talking about a voluntary society and... uh, how things would uh, work with no government, why there should be no government. (laughs) And of course, that has generated a lot of calls, provoked uh, some questions from people. And uh, let's see, before the break, we were talking with John in Austin, Texas. And John, are you still with us? Yeah, sure I am. Great. So uh, we didn't really get to uh, fully delve into your question before the break. I think you were uh, had some thoughts about capitalism and you were starting to tell us. So why don't you go on and continue with your thoughts? Well, you would ask me how I would define capitalism, mm-hmm. and it, basically, it's just a promise of corporations and the government that we all get up Monday morning and go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what we've done? We're, we're uh, is that we've turned currency money into the product, mm-hmm. into the ultimate goal. How much? How much of this little pieces of paper can you collect? Mm-hmm. You know, and and the paper itself has no intrinsic value. Uh, yes. Yeah, because they just keep creating more and more of it, right? And that dilutes the value of the... Or something, but, you know, that's a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, you have all this, and where we lost the ball, and I grew up in a manufacturing family, mm-hmm. and where we lost the ball is we... But looking at the sustainability of our manufacturing and our corporation, of, of maintaining a sustainable uh, environment that was competitive and fair, profits were reasonable. I mean, if you go out and make a great product and provide service and, and please your customer, you should be compensated for that. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, uh, the, 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 unfortunately, once we start getting into that, we have a lot of loaded terms that need definition. What is fair? What right. Is, what is competitive? What is uh, compensation? And it, on a purely economic aspect, one of the major problems with Karl Marx thinking was that he believed that uh, work inherently had some sort of value that could be dictated to the consumer. That the, the labor value, theory of value. Exactly. It yeah. was the labor theory of value. And uh, just a, a quick economic lesson. It doesn't matter how much work you put into it. The consumer is the one who always calls the shots. So if the consumer finds no value in it, it, it's not worth anything. It doesn't matter how much I put into digging up a rock from the ground. If nobody wants to buy it, it's not worth anything. So uh, when we talk about economics and we talk about capitalism and so on um, – we can talk strictly about capitalism and how it's it's become crony capitalism. The terminology yeah. now is, is perfect, yeah. Um, but um, there are attendant ter- terms that once you start getting into it and your beliefs about how a market should work, uh, really the only thing you need to remember, in my view, is the valuation within a marketplace has to be subjective based on the value of the consumer. And only through the consumer expressing his decision to buy something from the seller, who can decide not to sell it as well. It's a two-way street. But only through their interaction can you come to some approximation of what valuation is within the market. And once that little moment comes, then it's gone. But people use that information, the price mechanism, of course, in, in economic parlance, 
they use that to then determine their own decisions for products like that. So you've got to allow individuals to make their own decisions within a marketplace about how to value things. Otherwise, that price mechanism is corrupted, and that's what government does. It always tries to corrupt the price mechanism. My my background is in healthcare uh, healthcare investigation, and and what destroyed uh, insurance companies and 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 the and the general healthcare is the government set through Medicare and Medicaid the cost of healthcare. They you put an article. They, they put an artificial ceiling in there. Yeah, and, and in addition to that, something we should mention is that in various states throughout the 1990s, hardcore left-wing statists imposed a policy prescription that was created in Washington, D.C. by members of the Democrat National Committee and spread all over the place to impose right. regulations on private health insurance companies to force them right. to accept people with pre-existing conditions. That allowed, right. yeah, and that incentivized younger people to wait until after they got sick before they got their insurance and it left sicker people retaining their policies which drove prices through the roof. The entire miasma that we've got regarding health insurance prior to this Obamacare fiasco was caused and is only caused by government. In every other field in a marketplace, productivity gains lead to lower prices and more availability of products and services. But in medicine, because of the screw-up of government messing around with health insurance companies and uh, HMOs growing out of a tax write-off thing that Ted Kennedy got written in the 70s, you know and I know that prices have been going through the roof. It needs to be privatized completely in order to fix it, and they're never going to do that. The Republicans aren't going to do it either. And let's not forget, too, that we live. We have, we have this system, or there is this system already in this country, where more than 50 cents out of every health care dollar is already paid by the government. And Excellent all the people point. with the most expensive, the most urgent, and the most frequent health care needs, the uh, less fortunate, the seniors, and the veterans are already on socialized medicine and we can see how it's working at you know between 50 and 60% a socialized system so yep. the 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 proof in the pudding is that we're ranked 30th in the world with regard to quality of healthcare yeah yeah, and, and and I know I know we've got so many other calls, Stephanie. But <laughs> is, isn't it interesting? Because here we are talking about concrete things to which we can point on a policy level. Okay, and it's a talk show, radio show. You're a great caller. You're bringing up some great stuff, and and we can do a great job arguing about those things and bringing up history and so on. But we still need to address the philosophical underpinnings that push politicians to manipulate people to show someone who doesn't have health insurance to say we need to help this person the the gestalt mindset of saying that if government interferes with the private transaction of insurance seller and 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 buyer that that will somehow make it better if government takes money from Brett or from Stephanie and gives it to somebody else that that will make it better we have to not only address the practical side of how it destroys the system but the philosophical assumptions un- underlying all of this sort of emotion driven stuff absolutely not the band-aid here yes <laughs> and john any final thoughts tonight no um i'll let you guys go because it's getting toward the end of the show thank you for letting me have a, a little voice here we certainly and, appreciate and, your call john thank you so much 
Make sure it's this time of year. It's beautiful right now. <laughs> well, so is uh, here in Keene, New Hampshire. And uh, for all our people, listeners in Austin, too, uh, check out the those clubs, right? Gardner, what's your favorite spot? <laughs> I love demos, man. That's where I got to see some great bands. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Indeed. All right. So I think we actually have another John on the line. Uh, John in New York. Are you Are you still there? Hello. Hi. Hello. Is this John? Yes, this is John. All right. Uh, what's on your mind tonight, John? Well, I just want to tell a little bit of a story, maybe a quick bedtime story about uh, the police department in my neighborhood. Okay. Well, uh, we are actually yeah. coming up on a break, so I think we're going to hold you through and hear that story when we return. Uh, if you want to call us and share your thoughts, call us at 800-259-9231. Of course, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll return with John and hear his bedtime story <laughs> very shortly. Stay tuned. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be back with more. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This is Stephanie with you. And Guard. And Brett. And we are, of course, having such a blast here in the studio as we launch into our final segment on the radio. Uh, We're filling in for Ian and Mark, who are away at a talk radio convention. And what a fun evening we've been having so far. Absolutely. It's been great. Yeah, very nice. Uh, So before the break, we were speaking with John in New York, and he was about to tell us a little bedtime story, as he put it. Um, I hear this has (laughs) something to do with some cops, so I hope this won't cause any nightmares to our listeners. It won't. It, it, it's more like uh, laziness. So okay. yeah, I woke up in the morning and I had to a, a do an afternoon shift here on Saturday. And uh, so I go to my car, I open the door, and sure enough, I see it looks like there's been a guest in my vehicle uh, the night before. Hmm. Um, you know, some, some things are thrown down from the visor, the glove box is open, there's, you know, some coins and, you know, a piece of jewelry I had in the glove box missing, unfortunately. Ooh. Um you know, so I figure, okay, I got to go to work, and after work, I'll, I guess I'll just, you know, drop by the police station and uh, tell them what happened, and I'm, I'm sure they'll jump right on it and investigate and, you know, find out, you know, who's been stealing in our neighborhood. So sure enough, I drop by the police station, and I tell them, well, I, I want to report a theft. And they immediately try to uh, unconvince me from reporting something, and uh, told me that, you know, a report is only for insurance or something like that. And I said, no, 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 I want to, you know, report the crime so that, you know, maybe you can investigate it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it, basically <wound> up, giggling. <laughs> it basically wound up with them taking down, you know, my name and address and saying, okay, well, here's what we can do. Um, if you'd like, we could uh, send uh, extra patrols through your neighborhood. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, great. So that way they can now rob me again when I roll through a stop sign in my own neighborhood because they'll yeah. be patrolling my neighborhood a little more actively. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to uh, find out uh, precisely what was stolen, descriptions of the objects, you know, in case they catch someone or stop someone or Makes it maybe send find. someone down to a jewelry <laughs> store to ask about, about a very unique piece of, you know, silver, you know, jewelry. 
no, uh, they didn't care at all about what was. Did you go? Did you go around to the jewelry stores yourself? No, no, I don't have the time to do that. You know, it's just uh, an item. You know, you you you, you just put over. You know, mm-hmm. you move on. Mm-hmm. John, that's but, such uh, a good, know, John, that's such think, a good maybe, point maybe, that you made. Uh, I'm sorry, real quick, John. That's such a good point that you made because yeah. we hear this rationalization from the police all the time when they're shaking people down in a neighborhood. They say, oh, well, people in this neighborhood get robbed. Uh, we have reports of people getting robbed around here, right? Well, they don't look for your stuff. Yeah. It's such a great excuse for them to shake down other people who are not uh, yep. you know, hurting anybody else. That's such a good point. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, in one of the towns near where I live, uh, I recently heard that uh, that 80 percent of the police department's um, revenue comes from enforcing things like speed traps and um, underage drinking and things like that. Sure, sure. And, and I, you know, I've known a couple of people have had property crimes and they're just they just don't really seem too interested in uh, in, in investigating those. So, yeah, so John, here in Long Island, we have. You have the highest paid police officers in the nation. Uh, the average salary, I think I read, is up to about uh, 125000 a year. And that doesn't wow. even count their pensions and their health care uh, bonuses and, and benefits. So it's just salary alone is about one hundred twenty-five k on average, mm. the average police officer who's, who stays with the force, you know. So they didn't give you anything reassuring, like if somebody drops your stuff off here with your name on it, we'll they call did not you? Take a, they did not, not take a description <laughs> of what was taken. They didn't even write down what I was explaining to them was, was, uh, was taken. Wow. They, uh, you know, <laughs> they didn't even want to write it up. Um, so they, oh, we'll send an extra patrol patch out. No, but what about if you find my stuff or you catch somebody or maybe you put out an alert and maybe have a, the, the burglary squad look into it. Who knows, right? Yeah. I mean... Isn't that what we pay them for? Isn't that what we're paying over ten grand in property taxes a year here? Yeah, protecting and serving. Go look myself when it gets jacked from my own driveway. Oh, yeah. Sorry, citizen, you must have misunderstood. That's not what we do. Don't That's they have an obligation to serve? And no, it? no duty. Actually, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again, right, that there's no duty yeah, to. Uh, no duty. Uh, yeah. oh, apparently so, but yeah. they didn't want to take a report because they didn't want to come up with their crime statistics. So, they, so the bureaucrats. Happened over and over again in New York, uh, where the desk sergeant co- tries to convince people not to claim it's a crime, not file a report, just will 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 tell the guys on patrol to keep their eyes open, not write anything down, so it doesn't get put into the computer as a crime. Uh, Breaking happening in my neighborhood. Unbelievable. They Is look it, better. Bureaucrats. I never, I, I yeah. never even thought about that. That's a great point, man. Yeah. Oh, it, it happens all the time here in New York. Is that all that was on your mind tonight, John? That's it. That's a nice little bedtime story about how, uh, how you're, you're, <laughs> thanks, John. how to find your stolen stuff. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, we do so. appreciate your call. We <laughs> thanks for sharing that story. So, uh, wow, what do you have? You guys ever had an experience like that? Uh, I actually have run into something where, yeah, uh, my car uh, while I was at work was parked behind some bushes, plain daylight. Somebody tried to break into my car. Uh, they they jacked out the the lock on the driver's side. Tried to get on the uh, on the passenger side, and it was parked right in front of an ATM that had a camera in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I said to the cop who came by to handle the the call, I said, uh, "Hey, you might want to contact the credit union that runs that because you know it's possible that there could have been some video taken. I don't know how often they take shots, whether it's just while it operates or, uh huh, yeah. He didn't even look at the thing." <laughs> So eventually, it was up to me. The next time, next time the the, the guy came over to, to handle it, I actually spied him, and I went over to got to the guy who handles the ATM, and I said, "Hey, uh, 
you know, I just they cut some in. So it turned out that they didn't take any pictures or anything like that at, until somebody was actually using it. Uh, but, you know, the cop wasn't even interested in that. You know. Such a shame, too, because cops like teachers, there probably are, uh, you know, a lot of people who have the right intentions who get into that line of work, be it education or law enforcement, yeah. because they have a genuine interest in helping people or trying to keep society safe or, you know, enriching children. Uh, and then they just find themselves drowning in all of this bureaucratic nonsense. And wow, there's really no, it's like all of the incentives are against me, you know, getting into this profession for what I learned this profession was for when I was six. Because that's a great point. If they were to go into an alternative sort of a field where it was private and they can actually, you know, be part of a, a free market system. You know, right. look at Disney security or something like that. You know, but that's the, that's the, that's our training too. Like, if you want to be a teacher, you work in the government schools, and if you want to help keep people safe, you put on a blue costume. Right. You know, it's, it's a perfect point. Absolutely right. Indeed, and we're actually coming up on the end of the show. But, ah. oh. <laughs> gentlemen, is there anything else like you really wanted to get out tonight to our radio audience who are listening live? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, one thing I want to mention is uh, everybody, if you get a chance, look up. The new Killing Joke song, In Excelsis, on YouTube. The video is amazing, and it's all about freedom. In Excelsis, it's incredible. And also, read The Hunger Games. Go to Amazon.com. Uh, what is it? Freetalklive-Amazon.freetalklive.com. Amazon.freetalklive.com. <laughs> and get The Hunger Games trilogy. The Hunger Games. It is awesome. Get it. <laughs> Believe me. Indeed. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and I'll just uh, I'll just plug my website before we go off air here. Schoolsucksproject.com. Please check out our podcast. Uh, I would really look forward to uh, some new people uh, downloading it, listening to it, sending me some feedback, coming onto our website. We've got uh, you know forums going there. Uh, that would that would really be great. I look forward to having some uh, some new listeners and getting some some new feedback. Some fresh meat, indeed. Some fresh meat. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. I'm a carnivore. Yeah, and, and it is so good when you hear what Brett has to do and the way he structures everything. It's like it's amazing. It's great, and it's so cool because you could like listen to him anywhere. anywhere Absolutely, in the world. It's like you could be in. I could. I could I'd be in a hotel in Nottingham, England, and I've I got my Wi-Fi connection. Oh, I can get a podcast from Brett, and let's do it on the plane. <laughs> this is pretty cool, man. Well, that's the thing about podcasts. I mean, I really think you know we're on the radio right now, of course, but I really think like. The future of audio content is is on the web, really. I mean, because there are just so many people, amazing people out there who have podcasts and they have um, insight and skills that nobody else has. And so they're putting that content out there and people are learning from it. People are getting free courses online. I mean, we talk about education, right, with yeah. School Sucks. I mean, there, there, are some, uh, there are some people who are releasing whole courses online and people can get an education f- all for free. Yeah. The wonders of the internets. And, and, and really, uh, for folks who aren't familiar with School Sucks, it really is like a course. It is just because, you know, I don't want to butter you up or whatever, Brett, but, uh, you know, the, he's got a, a, just an incredible breadth and depth of knowledge and, and a way to express it that is unique, I think, to anybody uh, in podcasts. Uh, Stefan Molyneux does a great job as well. And Brett, Brett and Stefan are just like the titans of, of this sort of uh, approach. Very, very good stuff. And, you know, there's lots of really good porn on the internet, too. So, no, just, 
<laughs> You're right. Yeah, you know, you we go. should. That's fine. I don't consider that buttering up. We should all talk to politicians. <laughs> like, talk to each other like politicians. Love your show, Garden. I love uh, Pork Therapy as well. And uh, it was great working with you guys. Indeed. We've had a fun night. Mark and Ian will return on Monday and Sunday night, which is tomorrow. After we untie them. <laughs> Dale will be on the show. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe and have fun. This has been Free Talk. You're listening to the live internet edition of Free Talk Live, brought to you by amp.freetalklive.com. No FCC licensed stations means zero censorship. Call in at 603-435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. Surprise! <laughs> We're back. This is a total surprise and experiment. This is Stephanie here with you. And Gar. And Brett. And this is my second extended edition ever. But uh, I was talking with uh, Brett and Gard off the air, and we had so much fun during tonight's show. We mostly got uh, into some debates about, um, not, not debates, more like conversations, right, about uh, stateless society and how things would work with no government and uh, some questions that the listeners had. But uh, we had so much uh, content and so many things that we were eager to talk about. And, you know, with all of our schedules, everyone's busy doing all their projects and, and uh, trying to pay the bills as well, uh, that, you know, it's not too often that we're all, we all have a chance to be here together. So... Um, you gentlemen are great. I had such hey, a wonderful you. time doing the show with you. I thought you all did a really good job. And uh, now we're here to surprise our listeners in case anyone's still on the cam feed. <laughs> <laughs> it's Naked Free Talk Live. Here we go. No, maybe not. Mm, I feel a little overdressed. <laughs> yes, true, true. That, it, it was, it's, it's really cool to be here because I haven't been here for a number of months and uh, I've been working on all sorts of other projects. And uh, to be with you guys is really cool. So, yes. Very, very nice. And some of the subjects that... Upon which we touched can stand for further exploration, clearly. Um, and you look at some of the contemporary stories and issues that are out there right now, and almost every one of these things. Why do you get Why do you get online to check the news? See what the government's going to do. See what some group of people who have control over some mechanism of legal force are going to try to do to you or your neighbor. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm looking at Ben Bernanke is going to pursue. Oh, Ben Bernanke is thinking of pursuing an inflationary course. Hey, guess what? They've been pursuing an inflationary course since the stinking Fed was created. It's yeah. just going to get worse, and the inflation has already happened, and they're just going to get it worse. Uh, what other stories out there? Oh, There's, can I tell you my favorite uh, inflation quote? Yeah, there's no inflation. Somebody said to me, "It's the same every year." <laughs> Status comedy. It's oh, uh, great. Status yeah. comedy. Don't even know what to say. <laughs> oh God! So there's there, there are all sorts of things. I mean, the Obama administration uh, defending their um, their idea of being able to assassinate people overseas who are American citizens, whether they're American citizens or not. But the assassination thing is amazing. Uh, there are a bunch of stories on Free Talk Live on the website. Yeah, uh, that was one of the the assassination thing was one oh, of the yeah. biggest things that I wanted to talk about because it's just so blatant. That's oh, amazing. It's but amazing. Uh, I did want to give out um, our phone number just in case there is anyone else who's listening on the cam or right. somewhere else. Actually, I think you can go to cam.freetalklive.com and check us out on there. You can also watch us um, look at our beautiful, lovely faces as well. Oh, as, 
There you go. Yeah, Brett's That's our male resident male model. Brett's in there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> so you can check us out, or um, I believe we're also streaming right now on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. And of course, uh, I did want to mention real quick. Each one of us has a show uh, that's featured on the LRN, the Liberty Radio Network. Um, Guard's got the Liberty Conspiracy. Brett's got School Sucks podcast. And I am the host of Fork Therapy along with my co-host, Mike. So, um, yep, check all of those out. Great liberty-oriented content. And to- we all love each other's shows. That's true. It's, it's, it's good free stuff. talk, love. Absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> you guys have It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's surprising. Uh, people who listen to Free Talk Live obviously hear about the uh, Free Safe Project. But what's amazing to me, I don't know how you feel about this, Brett, but I think I'm going to mention this to you a little bit. But I don't think I mentioned this to you, Stephanie, is, uh, you know, as I started to investigate libertarian thinking and free market thinking and things like that, uh, there's some great heroes, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. The Austrian scholars and all those guys all the way through from – Bombavirk and and Menger uh, through Mises and Hayek and Rothbard and great guys like that, you know. And then you have Ayn Rand who said some terrific things regarding individual liberty and had some very intense ideas and thoughts about philosophy, some of which I agree with and some of which I don't. Um, then you have uh, you know terrific people like Frederick Bastiat and and people like that. Then you have uh, people like TV guys like Stossel. And all of a sudden, thanks to the internet, uh, other other people like uh, I mentioned James Bovard during the show, or uh, Sheldon Richman, or mm-hmm. Lou Rockwell, or mm-hmm. all these guys. And then all of a sudden, you hear about these other people, Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Yeah, dude, this guy's stuff is awesome, and then he Brett really comes, knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah and Stefan, and all these yeah. people now, because of the electronic media of the the, the internet media, all of a sudden there's this new generation of people who can come out and express things that they've synthesized from some of these great thinkers that we've been lucky enough to experience. Yeah. And it's it's uh, really cool to find, like, wow, listen to this guy's thing. He's new. Wow, this is really good. Like, when you appeared on the scene, Brett, it was like, holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so now I think we're, we're in a – I don't want to, like, you know, pat ourselves on the back too much, but there's a, a, there's a new wave of of libertarian philosophy that's spreading more now – than ever before. Oh, yeah. The Internet is just so powerful. Right. When Henry Hazlitt put out his stuff, he had the newspaper, so that was mm-hmm. good. When he put out Economics in One Lesson, it became a bestseller. But now, because of networking, we don't have to go through those gatekeepers anymore. We don't have to get the publisher to say, oh, yes, I, I deem you worthy of putting a book out, <laughs> scholarly tome. You know, it's like, no, nah, screw it. I'll record my own podcast and I'll set it up. Jason Osborne's our supporter. He's awesome. And uh, boom, we're there. You know, yeah. we get our ideas out. It's cool. You know, there's a story from uh, – it's really probably an allegory and we can just chalk it up as fiction. But uh, unless somebody can call in and correct me and tell me that this actually is a true story. But I think it's almost more of like – just a, a fable where at one time, thousands of years ago in Greece, there was a man who said, we have all these wheeled vehicles. We should make tracks for them to run along. And then in Egypt, there was another man who said, oh, I should make a steam-powered engine, so to speak. And they just couldn't bring those two ideas together because they had no way to communicate. Uh, well, now it's like it's hard to keep two ideas from crashing into each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes that goes really well and sometimes it doesn't, but it's a great thing that that's happening. And we we see, I mean, you know, the three of us could have lived in New Hampshire our entire lives uh 20 years ago and 
yeah. spend our entire lives looking for each other, like like-minded yeah. people yeah. that we could sit and have and never found each other. That's right. I used to drive down the Foundation for Economic Education in Irvington, New York, just so I could be amongst people who, you know, were interested and believed in the mm-hmm. underpinnings of freedom. Mm-hmm. And it was great. You know, I'd go down and I'd meet all these terrific people. I was like, wow, this is really awesome, you know. So this is really, it's a real renaissance, I think, for our, our um, sort of thinking here. Yeah, I mean, that was how I felt like, you know, describing the way that you could you could have basically uh, spent your whole life feeling alone and <laughs> kind of isolated and not knowing that there were people out there who were uh, had similar thinking. Yeah, um, that's basically how I felt when I lived in Massachusetts, you know, oh, and then um, I, I started I actually started listening to uh, to Free Talk Live. I was a libertarian before that, but, uh, you know, I kind of seeked them out and, and definitely uh, it helped me sort of evolve my own views and develop them a little bit more. And it was a it was a multi-year process for sure. But then I decided at some point I decided, look, I'm not happy here in Massachusetts. I'm really not feeling like <laughs> like there are too many other people here who uh, have compatible ideology and I feel kind of isolated and alone. So I moved to New Hampshire and wow, it's been a huge difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Now it's like there are too many wonderful people for you to spend all, you know, you, you only have so much time in the day and there, it's like, there are just so many great people here that are doing things and actually trying to bring about a freer society. And that's just amazing to know that there are so many of them. You can't even, uh, you can't even really get to know all of them to the level that the, that you want. You know, Stephanie. At the same time, we're, we're you know just sort of chatting about this. I, I I would like to bring up something that Brett brought up, and mm-hmm. we talked about a little bit off the air is the, the Tea Party movement. Ah, uh, yes, and indeed, some of the things that the Tea Party movement they're often described as libertarian by people in the pop media. You know, the Washington Post might describe it as libertarian leaning, blah blah blah. You know, libertarian this. And uh, they bandy around the term libertarian. I don't want it sullied and and watered down. And and it bothers me because there are a lot of good points that the Tea Party members make about the growth of government. And and, um, they they give some pretty good lip service to individual liberty, the land of the free, and so on. And you see it's pretty funny because even – you know. Potato heads like Newt Gingrich have to try to, you know, <laughs> you know, they become obsequious to these people and try to make themselves look like. I mean, the guy's just a flaming jerk. Oh, he's such a loser. But anyway, um, so and what what I find fascinating is that the the liberty movement is really not the Tea Party movement, and people really have to remember that you know we try to be consistent, and the Tea Party folks. As noble as their goals appear to them, uh, they are inconsistent in many cases. Yeah. We'd love to be able to talk to Tea Party members and say, look, you know, there is a more consistent approach towards individual liberty that is true individual liberty because we could bring up numerous, numerous issues where you do not want me to be free. Yeah, I think many of them have their hearts in the right place. You know, like they're frustrated by what they see as a really overreaching government. They don't necessarily know what to do with that or know what options are out there for um, trying to affect change, I guess. But they're stuck in this status paradigm of, oh, it's us versus them. It's the Democrats versus the Republicans. We have to sort of, you know, take back the country by the political system and uh, clearly, uh, as as we can see, uh, those of us who've been around in the liberty movement for a while and have gotten to know the philosophy and the philosophical underpinnings, um, the political system really is is not the way to go about doing that. 
No. Yeah. Now, and you know, I was talking a little bit about the that book, The Hunger Games, before uh-huh. we took our, our break. One of the neat things in The Hunger Games uh, is, and folks, if you're not familiar with The Hunger Games, I'm not going to tell you too much, but get this book, get the series of books. Um, I very soon the symbol of The Hunger Games is going to become a symbol of opposition to tyranny, the same way that uh, the V uh, figure, the mask of. Um, V for uh, Vendetta. Yeah, from V, v for Vendetta, mm-hmm. uh, the same way that the anarchy symbol in some cases is and things like that, or for the Tea Party people in some cases as the uh, Gazden flag, uh, which unfortunately I think I used to use it, but I'm not going to use it as much. Um, and what's interesting is in that book, there the subject is about a little girl who lives in a futuristic world where North American continent's been split into 12 districts and the central government, this tyrannical, despotic government, even worse than we have now, um, they force kids to go into this fighting arena and um, the it, they have to fight to the death. And whoever wins, their district will have a little more heat energy, a little more electricity showered on them in this in this despotic world. Uh, and when this little girl, who's the subject of the book, is thrown into the arena, finally mm-hmm. she appears in this arena, and it's all broadcast on TV. It's you know this big show on TV. Uh, all the kids are thrown into this arena situation, and there are all these weapons in this circle, and it's a bloodbath to get their hands on the weapons Ooh. that are in the circle. And it is a perfect metaphor to the tragedy of the commons. Yeah. Everybody fighting over what is commonly given to them or held by the government. Mm-hmm. And it pits us against each other. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the major problems I have with dealing with political stuff, the day-to-day political stuff rather than the philosophical stuff, because it's such a drag. Mm. You're dealing with a-holes who are you know, sociopathic, egocentric maniacs who want to, as Brett said, control people's lives, and they excuse it by saying, oh, well, you know, it's all for the common good, and all this nonsense. And they come up with ridiculous backwards ideas, which you know are going to be economically destructive and harmful to my neighbor's freedom. And I, every day I got to get up and look at these things and look what they're, you know, it's more idiocy and sit there yeah. and say, what the hell, why do I have to pay attention to this nonsense? This is uh, something that came up on the show uh, last night. I was on with Dale and Nick, and uh, we were just talking about how, um, well, I brought up the fact that I have kind of stopped paying attention to the news, mm. like for that reason, because I feel I feel like I was at one point sort of almost psychologically enslaved, you know, like yeah. watching it. The mainstream media especially just keeps you in this paradigm of us versus them, you know, red team versus blue team. Oh, who's on top now? Who's who's ahead? You know, what will happen? And it's a distraction from the real issue. It's as the bumper sticker says, right? It's it's not left versus right. It's the state versus you. Right. right? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. And that metaphor, you know, everybody wrestling for the weapon is so powerful, too. Yeah. You know, like yeah, you said, like, it seems oh. like she knows what she's doing. Oh, she does. Because if we think about, like, we're not supposed to talk about politics with other people, right? We're not supposed in to polite have, company, right? Yeah, in polite company, <laughs> yeah. because that's not okay. Um, the problem with political conversations is that if you're if it's that left versus right uh, box. The conversations always have these this subtext of, and maybe they don't realize it, but the subtext of every left-right political conversation is, I want my will imposed on you like this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. exactly it. Yeah. And that makes people 
very uncomfortable. And they get even more uncomfortable when you take the subtext of that conversation, like, you know, coming from uh, the libertarian philosophy, you take the subtext of that conversation and you bring it up to the surface for everybody to see and everybody to evaluate. And you say, are you willing to use force on me? And that really uh, upsets people. Mm, they They try to come up with excuses. They try to say, well, we do this. We do this. We're part of a society. Oh, yeah. I, I'll give you an example. I, I don't know if I told you about this one, Brett, but I was coming back from England in uh, April. Actually, it was April 1st, and uh, I was at the World Horror Convention in Brighton and coming back through Heathrow. And uh, I sat down near my gate, and a guy sat next to me, and he had his passport, opened it up. Inside was the Constitution. I said, oh, I see you have the Constitution inside there. Now, again, you know, I'm a guy who will remind the politicians about the Constitution and will <laughs> remind the Tea Party people about the Constitution uh, because the politicians are the ones who are hypocrites while they swear an oath to abide by it and they don't care. But I would go further into a stateless society. But anyway, I said, you know, I, I've been reading a book about how, you know, they always find ways to get around the Constitution. And the man was a naturalized citizen. I don't know where exactly he came from, uh, but he had become – he was an immigrant. And he, had, he had moved here and, and gone through all the stupid hoops that they've set up to become an American citizen. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so he starts talking about how great it is that they've got this health – this fascist health care thing, as I would describe it, the fascist medicine thing that they've imposed. And he's like, oh, yeah, the, the health insurance plan is very important. So I tried to explain to him – the causes of increases in health insurance policies and the causes of, you know, over-demand Medicare, Medicaid, and things like that, and, and what's going to happen and what happened in Canada because they had to impose price controls and they're going to do all sorts of rationing and things like that. He's not listening. He thinks it's just a great idea. He thinks it's awesome. So I said, listen, I can tell that no matter what I'm saying to you, I'm, I'm just not convincing you. Let me just ask you a question. Let's say you think you've got a great idea. You know, and 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 you want to go ahead with it. If I said to you, "Hey, you know what, dude? You go ahead. You have a great time, and could you just, you know, just leave me out of it? You know, I just want to be left alone." Mm-hmm. Would you force me? <laughs> and he hemmed and he hawed. He says, "Well, we do this, we do that." Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "No, no, no. Just this question. I, you know, I'm just asking from one person to another." Would you force me? And he got very upset after a while. I was like, you're not answering my question. It's yes or no. Would <laughs> you force me to do this, to pay, to conform? I just want to be left alone. I'm not hurting anyone. I just want to be left alone. And he goes, finally says, yes, yes, I would. I would force you. So I said, I, I said, he goes, you know what? You're just righteous about this. You're religious about this. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone so I don't have to think about what I'm supporting. Exactly. The force, the aggression. Yeah. Yeah. I said to him, I said, I said, did you hear what you just said? And he looked at me and I said, I'm just verbalizing thoughts to you (laughs) through the air. You want to affect my life through government force (laughs) and possibly imprison me or take my livelihood if I don't conform to what you want, and you're telling me to leave you alone? Isn't that funny how the sound of somebody 
being defensive and evasive about your questions sounds very similar to that sound of their entire political belief system <laughs> yes. imploding in front of their eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Boy, boy yeah. you said it well, man. Absolutely great. Yeah, <laughs> Garden. great, man. Maybe you planted the seed that would eventually grow into a, you know, the giant beanstalk that sends their political philosophy I crumbling I, I have a feeling he probably wrote another check to the DNC or RNC after that one because, uh, you know, yeah, but yeah. The mental gymnastics that people do to just not have to think about what's actually going on. I mean, you know, it's it's so funny because like you go you grow up, you go through life and so much of the stuff is just invisible to you. You know, nobody brings it to the forefront. Nobody says the things that are really going on. Nobody uh, you know, makes that subtext explicit, you know? Yeah. That's and true. and when somebody does that, it's just like you know, the record screeches to a halt and all these glasses drop and it's like, what just happened? And what do you guys... <laughs> but it's you, so important. What do you think also about the... the, the there is a, a very strange sentimental subtext to a lot of what we observe in the popular media and in schools. Uh, and, and even in uh, town holidays, you know, parades and all these things. Um, where it's, it's the we the people thing. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly thrown these... Crises. You know, we heard uh, Hillary Clinton and numerous people have said, never squander a good crisis. Mm, Indeed. And so we've got the so-called war on terror. And we know that there are a lot of conspiracy people out there who say, well, that was all set up, say, because they want to have the world's government and all that. Okay, okay, fine. Well, you know what? If you think so, that's fine. But I think that. I, well, anyway, I, we've got a call, so we'll get right over. Oh, to finish it. your thought card. No, yeah. no problem. I just—it seems to me that a lot of this so-called bonding that occurs occurs because of the crises that government throws at us and the straw dog enemies that they throw out at us. Mm. And whether it's the war on drugs, we've got to—you know—we've got to stop the Mexican immigrants. Um, uh, we have to fight the so-called war on terror. Or the bird flu or the swine flu swine, or whatever. All that. Disease. Oh, my God. And yeah. look at, for example, just real quick, look at what the Obama administration did about mortgages. Mm-hmm. We know that the next phase of release for mortgage statistics is going to come out about two or three days before the November elections. So what does the Obama administration do with the Justice Department? They start getting on the backs of banks and getting assistance from people like Bank of America, which, of course, you know, got a bunch of money from from the feds um, to stop foreclosures for Mm -hmm. a certain period of time. Well, what's that going to do to the foreclosure statistics? It's going to make them go down. Right. So So it makes them look uh, better. There's a a crisis in illegal foreclosures. Oh, really? (laughs) You know what? Uh, Yeah, sure. Right. It's bogus. The whole thing is bogus. It's all a big, I mean, I feel like I'm living in Orwellian land, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I wonder how our caller f- feels. Uh, of course, you can call in uh, to the studio lines. This is the secret, the surprise, internet-only edition of Free Talk Live with Stephanie Gard and Barrett. And we're going to take this call unscreened. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? This is Marcus in New Jersey. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Marcus. Great to hear from you. What's on your mind? Well, I had to call in because it's the dream team on Free Talk Live. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) We wish you were here with your drums. Absolutely. Marcus, Marcus, the uh, one-man band. Uh, Many people saw him perform at Porkfest, and uh, little do they know, he also has a really cool webcomic called Brainless Tales. Every day he draws a new 
uh, picture that usually involves some kind of really cool pun, a very personal favorite of mine. <laughs> very <good>. and <laughs> oh, you, thank you, thank you. And that, Marcus, uh, why don't you why don't you plug your band and your website? Oh wow, this is like plug fest. Indeed. Uh, yeah, nothingproject.com is is the band, and uh, yeah, one man band. And they were um, he was I was going to say really, they were excellent. Call. He was excellent at pork fest. Yeah. He point. was excellent yeah. at pork fest. It's amazing. <laughs> so so Marcus, what was on your mind? Um, so recently, uh, something has really started to bubble up and, and, and start to really get to me, get under my skin, um, is, and it came to me at work. Um, I was uh, updating a, a website for one of our clients, and it was uh, the, 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 the car dealership. We're um, updating a car dealership website. had this cell phones for soldiers, and our mission oh. is to help the soldiers, you know, and mm-hmm. uh this big thing that they're 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 you know partaking in uh, where they're you know collecting cell phones and then they you know turn that into somehow you know phone calls for the soldiers, but really what what has started to get to me is all this support our troops support our troops every it's like ubiquitous that you know the right thing to do is to support our troops and I I couldn't disagree more I feel like that that they're using almost the um, Vietnam error uh, of where people were, you know, forced to fight, um, mm. and then well, you got to support them because they were forced to do that. Well, today's soldier wasn't forced, and really they're just off. You know, they're hurting people, and and I don't support the war, and and so I don't support the soldiers. Yeah, right. It's I, so it's so like saying, well, you know, I'm against racketeering. Well, you got to support the henchmen. You, you got to <laughs> yeah. support the henchmen. Oh, that's perfect. You know? Yeah, I'm against what the arm is doing, but I support the fingers, right? <laughs> yeah, I ran into another, another airport store. I ran into a soldier in an airport, and I was just sitting across from him, and I saw his fatigues, and I asked him where he was headed. And he goes, oh, I'm heading out to Iraq. And I was like, okay. And, and I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of, of this situation and, and back down. And I, I just said, you know, I hope you don't mind, but I'm, I'm sort of inquisitive, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But, you know... You're putting your life at risk uh, defending the United States Constitution, correct? He goes, yeah. And I said, how do you feel about the fact that they haven't declared war and the only thing that's in the Constitution, if they want to use you as a soldier, is that they have to declare war and that they're actually operating in an unconstitutional fashion? And you could see he sort of put his head down and he said, yeah, yeah. yeah." And, And then he paused and he goes, but... You know, I, I do what they tell me. And I'm like, ah, oh, dude. And uh, it's it's really tragic because a lot of these guys think they're doing the good thing. You know, yeah. it's like the cops. And um, yeah. and a lot of people want to try to help them. You know, veterans of foreign war, will you donate to a guy who was hurt in Vietnam? Oh, geez, man, that's rough stuff, especially if he was conscripted. Yeah, yeah you know? and, and, you know, Marcus brought up the point, like, these guys are not in Vietnam. They're in Iraq, and they chose to be there. They chose to sign up for the military. But uh, I would even take that a little further and say that, you know, sometimes these people sign these contracts for four or eight years or however long, and then they can kind of extend beyond the term that they signed for. And they're like 18, 16 years old. You know, how how do they really know what they're getting into? Your beliefs can change a lot. I mean, and then there's there's Daniel Lockemacher, the guy yes, yes. from warismoral.com. I believe Brett knows him pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he his views completely changed from the time that he signed up for the military uh, until you know he became a conscientious objector. 
I mean, he he went uh, underwent a, an extreme personal transformation in his philosophy and and so forth. Daniel Lockemacher was my first guest on School Sucks podcast in an episode called Conformity and Compliance versus Conscience and Consistency. As far as we know, he is the only person in history that it, well, that we know of anyway who has used the non-aggression principle to leave the military as a conscientious objector. And his story is amazing. I mean, he was somebody who grew up uh, in an you know evangelical Christian family. Uh, you know, raised with all, I mean, like, that's extreme, uh, and raised with all that fear and guilt and thinking that the military was this heroic thing and saw it with his own eyes while at the same time he was being exposed to, uh, not I wouldn't really say the libertarian philosophy, but Ayn Rand's, you know, object, uh, objectivist uh, ethics and uh, books like Atlas Shrugged. And really, with, with Inside a Year, the reason why I chose him as the first guest is Inside a Year, he was able to make this incredible, just such a dramatic transformation to uh, one of the most principled and courageous people that I know. So Daniel Lockemacher, that's Lake M-A- C-H-E-R, warsandmoral.com. Wow. Yeah, and what a, what a name for the website, War is Immoral. Yeah. So it's just so right on the brute. You know, you know what's sad, though? It's like um, when, when we tried to buy the domain name schoolsucks.com. Yeah. I'm like, so sorry, somebody's owned that since 1993. But in 2008, <laughs> nobody had picked the domain name War is Immoral. Oh, wow. oh my goodness, yeah. Wow. I believe. It's kind of sad, but I'm glad he got it. For that project that's pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. so marcus I, yeah sorry go ahead what's going on no i was just going to say you know uh, even though I, I i said i don't you know don't want to support the troops but at the same time I, I mean you know they're they're humans and i love them and you know I, I want what's best for them and you know i want them to be safe and i want them to go home <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and you know and i think you know if if people can reach out to soldiers that's great and you know talk to them and you know i want you know, definitely what's what's best for them. I'm not trying to put them down as human beings, you know, but I'm, I just feel like, you know, that ubiquitous, uh, you know, support our troops and, and showing that to like the all the young, impressionable kids, they yeah. are growing up thinking like, you know, war is okay, war is acceptable. That's, I think, the message that, that it uh, portrays is the opposite of war is immoral. It says war is, uh, you know, is a way of life, really. Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting what you brought up about uh, kind of reaching out to them and, and uh, showing empathy and kind of reaching out to their humanity. Um, I remember there was a time, I, I'm trying to remember where this was. It was some uh, charity that existed to get random strangers, basically, to send postcards to troops that were in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so I, I saw this and I was with a friend. It was like in the grocery store or something. And so we wrote some postcards and we said, hey, check out um, freetalklive.com, check out completeliberty.com and check out, um, you know, all these like pro-freedom links. And, you know, I, who knows if that had any effect, but maybe that was, you know, maybe that did plant a seed for some someone. I, I wonder if you could do that with the cell phones, like load up a cell phone with a bunch of MP3s of like School Sucks podcast or That's Gardner's show, idea. you know, and free send it to live. them. Yeah. <laughs> and Free Talk Live, yeah. No, th- that program is much more sanitized than that. They take the cell phone and then they sell it to a third world country. They take the money that's raised and buy a calling card. With- oh. oh, I see. So it's not even... 
it's kind of a feel good thing. Like you're sending the phone to a soldier, but you're really not. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. all it's about is feeling good anyway. Like oh, let's yeah. wear blue on Friday and let's, uh, you know, put a blue, let's uh, put a yellow ribbon on our car and all these other BS gestures that require no sacrifice, no personal and no thought. Right. But to stand up and say, you know what I'm for? Because like, uh, like Marcus said, you, these are human beings and maybe they've been dragooned into this and they're misguided. Here's what I'm for. I'm for stopping supporting the people who who are so willing to march so many of these people to certain death or certain injury or certain emotional trauma. I support the troops by not supporting those people and pointing out their lies and pointing out the phrases that they use to silence defend, uh, dissent and attack our emotions like support the troops. Yeah, the emotional side. Brett mentioned this in, a, in a, one one point in a, in a podcast. Uh, actually, he's mentioned it a few times, and I think it's so great when you hear him. Like just hearing the blather that you get in daily conversation sometimes is such a drag. And then when you apply it to really important issues like this, it's like I think you were talking about, you know, talking about the weather. You know, it's like, oh, for God's sake, geez, I'm crow. Can mm-hmm. you think of something better? And, and you know, for a person with an inquisitive mind, if you're looking at this, I think part of the reason that they they get this, I think this whole it's it's a makeup in a way for the Vietnam stuff because they think that, oh, the Vietnam soldiers, they got pulled out. It, forcibly by the government, and then they came back and they were spit upon. So everybody's got to embrace the soldiers, even the the left wingers out there. Like, well, I don't like the 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 battles, but I want to. I support the troops. Like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? You know, it's like be rational and just say, look, what they're doing is immoral. Or if you want to go with the Constitution, it's unconstitutional. They didn't go about at least on the procedural side of it the way that they they promised they would, and and do that sort of thing and. I don't know how you can get around this stuff. It, it's very, very, it's it's very saccharine in my eyes. And yeah, oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, I, I want to challenge the whole idea that, you know, uh, they should be looked at as, as heroes or something, you know, because maybe if young men um, knew that if they go and join the army and then they come back and, you know, maybe they've been hurt or whatever, they're not going to be sort of welcomed with these parades in the street and really, uh, really looked on with all this heroism, you know, maybe they will think twice. Maybe that is a reason why some people do join the military. So, yeah, take a tape parade. And, and Brett, I know you had something on. on yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I usually don't like spending too much time talking about the Constitution. But to say that's a very interesting segue where you can get somebody into that conversation with very, very little emotional investment. Because if they'll admit, I mean, it, it, it's easy for them. There's not there's nothing at stake for them to say, OK, fine, it's unconstitutional. Right. It's like asking right. about a programming or, or an engineering situation. Right. It's yeah. far less, uh, you know, uh, far less volatility than saying it's immoral right right but then of course the question is well this you know this president takes an oath all of these soldiers take an oath to the constitution if they're all engaged in something unconstitutional unconstitutional uh is it immoral to you know make oaths and then break them and then maybe mm-hmm. you can work your way into that a little bit more. Yeah, that's a great that's way to a, do it i think and and part of it too that that also gets me is the idea which was established in world war well, World War One in a way, but really reaffirmed in World War Two was that, you know, and and we can come up with lots of arguments against it, but the idea of we've got to help those people 
who cannot help themselves. Mm. We, you know, the and and we is all inclusive there. It's like, oh, you mean the government shall force my neighbors to cough up money or go fight <laughs> Shoulders in the, to the royal wheel, we? <laughs> yes, exactly. And one of the things I brought up is is when you get the mentality, and and I'd like to talk about the royal we for a second because I think this is a very interesting point that uh, we discussed once on Free Talk Live, and when. You know, in the old day, in the olden days, in, in the, you know, when you had kings, they often re- would refer to themselves as we because they represented oh, the imperial the state, we. the imperial royal right. we. Exactly. Right. Now, and, and of course, back then there were supposedly rules about warfare mm-hmm. where you didn't attack civilians because the civilians weren't part of the royal line. They weren't the dukes with the land tied to the king who represented the state. OK, so you fought. The knights who had volunteered or were getting paid or whatever to go in, and you didn't go in. You know, that, you know that's a bit of a misnomer because there was lots of plunder that happened. But that those were the con- conceptual ideas of of warfare. Sure. Now, we are the state. We're told that the government is us. So of course, if a terrorist sees his family getting wiped out in Afghanistan by a ro- by by a, a missile mm-hmm. or by a drone. He's not going to just blame the people who pulled the levers on that in the military. He's going to blame the American people because supposedly it's our government. Yeah, they, they're mm-hmm. they're unfortunately uh, all vict- just like American citizens. They're victims of the same kind of collectivistic thinking, yeah, which right. they need to be because I think of their their more extreme religious views that's very collectivistic but mm. um, you know americans are told their whole lives saying well we are the government we are oh, the government. I, I hate that you know it's, oh, oh this is, you know and yeah, i don't want to be i don't want any just, part in it i don't feel like a government my hands aren't covered in blood my pockets aren't filled <laughs> with other people's money i'm not lying to somebody i like i'm t- i feel like i'm telling the truth right now so i don't feel like a government <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I'd like, you know, I'd like somebody oh, to explain that to me. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's the, usually people will say, well, because you can participate in this democratic process and you can pick that apart pretty, uh, pretty easily. Hey, is yeah. Marcus still on the phone? Yeah, he's still oh, there. Let's hear, let's hear from him. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just sitting back and uh, listening to you guys uh, tell me that I am uh, part of the government. <laughs> you are, I, you're not part of the government, Marcus. You are uh, the government. <laughs> yes. Uh, if I was, if I am, I decree we are all free. Oh, thank you. Thanks, nice. Marcus. Right, thank you. Wow. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to go. Brett, Guard, Stephanie, you guys are awesome tonight. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks. You're thanks, awesome, Marcus. <laughs> thank you so much for the call. And... Uh, yeah, I wonder, um, I don't know, I actually should have asked him, like, what what was the situation in which he encountered this whole cell phones for soldiers thing, and what's he going to do about it? Is he going to, like, is, he said, he, I think he said he encountered it at work, so is he going to talk to his colleagues about, you know, why this is just a feel-good thing and it may not be a good idea? Uh, is he going to uh, send a cell phone with some liberty-oriented links, or is he going to not participate and say why? I don't know. It is so hard. You know, you come out looking like a demon. It's hard to do that kind of thing at work. And it's really like, you know, I I would always suggest people be cautious about that kind of stuff. And I got into it. You know, when I started my tutoring company at the beginning of 2009, I wasn't making any money. So at the time, I was working at a technical recruiter, like uh, as a technical recruiter, uh, picking up engineers, software people, you know, mostly mechanical, electrical, civil, structural engineers to do contract jobs, construction jobs, and infrastructure projects. And uh, 
one day I came into work and we had gotten all the American re recovery and reinvestment. Oh, and that was my new job. Oh. And it was just that feeling, like that office space feeling where I wanted to like go and unscrew all of the cubicles <laughs> and knock them down like dominoes and walk out the door. Like it was so frustrating. And I did it for a yeah. week and I think I, you know, I might have placed one person at this uh, nuclear waste disposal site in uh, Aiken, South Carolina called Savannah River. And then I just said, you know what? I'm out of here. I can't. Wow. I can't do that. I can't staff the government. My yeah. dad, my dad was in Washington during the Reagan administration, and he was actually recruited to go down to try to eliminate the education department. He went to work in the education mm. department, and there were a bunch of Carter holdovers, and they used to break in his files and you know take stuff. And there was stuff that's supposed wow. to be designed for Reagan only. You put the special code at the top, and it would never make it to Reagan and stuff. So after I don't know how many years, my dad was down there. He was like, "I this is ridiculous." I'm, and he he was like one year away from retirement. It's mm-hmm. like I I can't keep doing this. I have to leave. Wow. Like I cannot keep taking people's money and do this. And it was an amazing. My dad was in his. You know, he was never going to get another job after that. He was too old. Mm-hmm. But he said, "Screw it. I'm not taking any more money." And that was pretty darn cool. Yeah. I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. really living with the integrity oh, yeah. there. Yeah, amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. So yeah, and, and you know, I think about my dad in World War II, and and that this this pervasive idea. Uh, not only is through the military, but through aid. You know, my mom was my mom was a born again Christian, right? Mm-hmm. It was, and um, and she for a long time was like, "Well, we have to support Israel." I was like, "What do you mean by we? What, what are you talking about? We? I could, we could write you could write a check to go to the Israeli people, some you know homeless shelter or whatever, and to whatever you want to do, you can send it to their military if you wanted to buy more weapons. I think it's not a good idea, but mm-hmm. whatever." And so she started to. Say, yeah, you know, the 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 whole a lot of it, I think, comes from the anti-communist days where where you had a lot of people who were saying, look, there's a big threat of communism. So we have to go into South Yemen. We've got to go and, you know, send stinger missiles to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan through Pakistan, through the Khyber Pass. Uh, The United States has got to try to, you know, fund the Contras to stop overthrows in you know, in Central America and things like that. And. And they were right about the intentions of the Soviets. You know, when they opened up these KGB files, the Soviets were trying to gain warm water ports and they were trying to take over countries and there were fomenting revolution and things like that. Mm-hmm. OK, they, absolutely. But the question of of, you know, using people's tax money and, and forcibly taking it from them for what they you know, what the Reagan administration or, you know, even the Carter administration, um, all these different administrations during the Cold War, um, you know, I was brought up in a sort of anti-communist household, and you say to yourself, "Well, really, was that really a necessary? And B, was that a moral? And C, was it constitutional?" You know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the. I mean, that's really the trick too. And like we've talked a lot tonight, you know, for more than three hours about how when we confront political people, they very quick to shift the discussion away from principles they run away from that they'll change the subject to the weather if they have to what they (laughs) want to pull it back into pragmatism okay you it's not virtuous then it's necessary right Right. and they they want to they want to give you all these reasons why it has to be this way principles be damned so you think about just that 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 playbook the playbook of statism over and over again have some, you know, get away from principles and go to practicality. And then big, ominous, foreign boogeyman, we have to, we have to, we have to, and every complete, you know, 
horror show just becomes possible. That That's way. right. It's true the Soviets. We're seeing it uh, with the terrorists. I mean, we saw this with the fascists. We saw this with the, the Japanese. This is not a new trick. And it wasn't new for the United States in their imperial century, uh, with the 20th century, and I guess they're now their second imperial century, uh. the 21st century. Uh, this, is, this is not a new trick, right? You get away from... or. You know, I guess people still want to do the principles, like it's right to support the troops. But once you can show them that those things are yeah. wrong, they'll yeah. they'll retreat. And, and then they try to use fear, too. I mean, right. so like, right, you show them the principles and they're like, OK, well, this is it, it is immoral, but it's necessary. And then they try to use the fear to get you to agree with them. That's right. And then eventually, once you've debunked all of their uh, reasoning for embracing the, the whole status paradigm, then they'll say something usually like, well, it's great that we can agree to disagree. You know, this is America. You, you're entitled to your opinion, but of course we can agree to disagree. And See, then it's back to, well, no, you I'm not free to disagree because I can't opt out. You know, I can't, I can't choose to live my life how I see fit and not be uh, aggressed against, cage punished, you know, retaliated against by, by the state, right? Absolutely. What's next after that for them? Where, where do they? Oh, if you don't like America, you can get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you don't yeah, like it, you yeah. can leave. <laughs> the government, you have to leave the country because the government owns the country. Yeah, that's right. right. Which is basically yeah. just like saying that you're a serf and this is a privilege for you to live Yeah, here, Yeah, so why don't you just curl up in a ball and die, right? right. That's what they're basically saying yeah. to you. You get out of my life. So, <laughs> you might not realize it, but this is the feudal system. Like, you're a serf <laughs> and you have a privilege. You have a privilege to live on the master's land if you obey their rules. So <laughs> if you can't follow the rules of the master's, get out. Hey, and this, of course, uh, sorry, Garda. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give out the phone number just in case anyone else would like yes. to call us. You can call the studio at uh, 603-435-1105. That is 603-435-1105. And it is Saturday night. It's uh, 1046 and we are live <laughs> on the LRN and uh, cool. and uh, on the studio cam, of course, at freetalklive.com. So call us 603-435-1105 if you would like to uh, bring up something that's on your mind. It's still the show about your calls, even though we're we're uh, late into the evening. And in credit to Stephanie, edition. credit to you as well, because you know we talked about it during one of the commercial breaks. But as we were approaching the top of the hour, it didn't look like you might be able to do it. But she, she contacted, made a few phone calls down <laughs> phone to a friend. Uh, yeah, phone a friend. Exactly. Do you want to phone a friend? <laughs> and uh, and uh, what Regis? Uh, <laughs> imagine if Regis was like a pro freedom guy. That would be so funny. I'm talking about immorality here. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I should I should have fake phone calls from Regis, you know, like if Regis were were a libertarian. Are you sure you want to give that answer? Because it doesn't sound good to me. You're promoting the state. <laughs> Um, so, Gard, I I definitely interrupted you before. Why don't you finish your thought? And then we actually did get a I, caller. From I our don't little... even know what. I, oh, oh, uh, oh, 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 Horshack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say I think it's really great that we get to do the extended thing, and that's pretty much it. Uh, the other the other stuff uh, I'll just wait on. Go go to your call there, Google. And uh, all right, we're going to bring on this caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this caller? Are you there? All right, I don't hear the caller. Maybe they can call back a little bit later. Uh, caller, Is if you can, up? yeah, yeah, okay. it should be okay. Sorry, call. Okay, uh, well, maybe they can call back, and of course, you can still. 
Call the uh, AMP lines if you have that number, if you're a Free Talk Live amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to find out more about that. Help spread the message of liberty, one person's ears at a time. (laughs) And, uh, of course, we'll give out our number one more time, 603-435-1105. Call us at the studio and join the conversation. Um, so anyway, guys, I think I kind of interrupted you by, uh, giving out the phone number, but, uh, where, where did we leave off <laughs> planting seeds of liberty? Well, uh, yeah. You know, when you look at that military and, and, oh, I oh, know what I was going back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every just, time guards. Just, well, just a real quick thing. Um, it was something that when Brett was talking about something, you inspired me, Brett, to think about the revisionist history that started, um, um, even with the civil war. Saying, oh, well, it was to free the slaves. I mean, how fraudulent could that be? Yeah. You know, and and all these noble goals that are set upon, oh, it had to be done to keep the union together. Really? Yeah, I had to put a gun to my wife's head to keep our union together. You know? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. There's no uh, logic yeah. to it. I mean, if Ken Burns, hey, Ken Burns, I know Ken Burns is in the area. It's too bad. Somebody send Ken Burns a link. Ken Burns and his Civil War documentaries. Hey, Ken, how come you never mentioned or gave short shrift to the fact that um, the war was not about slavery in the Civil War, that Abraham Lincoln was a pretty nasty guy, he was pretty corrupt, that he made tons of money, as as we've discussed on Brett's mm-hmm. show, he made tons more money on the sale of land that he purchased knowing that he could direct the Transcontinental Railroad through it than oh he did during his entire career as a as a as a uh, lawyer in mm-hmm. Illinois. I mean, I, you know, it's, not to mention that he imprisoned journalists and oh, yeah. you know and, the and, whole premise and, of the yeah, yeah. It, it was sent a sent a, a magistrate out to try to arrest a Supreme Court member who was going to rule that he could no longer hold on to the representative body of uh, was it Maryland or Delaware mm-hmm. just because they were going to be uh, they were going to choose to be um, um, uh, on neither side. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, anyway, whatever. So I guess our caller did call back, and we also have one more call that's on hold. So let's try this caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Oh, are we still having problems with our audio? I'm going to put that caller on hold and try the next caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi. Hi. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, this is Matt from Illinois. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, I have a question for a guard. Okay. If you don't mind. Sure. Hey, guard, how, how can I get a hold of you via email? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, if you want to email me, probably the best way to do it would be libertyconspiracy at yahoo.com, and I will go check that manana when I'm at work, and I will uh, I will try to answer you. Ladies, okay. also a, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you I have much. an idea that I want to shoot by you. It's... It's a uh, a writing idea that I had. It's kind of a Star Trekky type of thing. Okay. Interesting. Did you have anything else on your mind? Uh, did you want to talk about your idea? No, no. Yeah. You guys had uh, a great show tonight. Thank I you. Really appreciated it. Thank um, you. We appreciate you, you listening. Really, really hashed over a lot of uh, a lot of um, philosophy that um, even I sit there and wonder about. Every once in a while, because you know, I I too lean toward the uh, the anarchy side of things, but I do wonder about the the shrinking of government and how we're going to get there. Because I don't think we can just wipe out government completely all at once. It's got to be slow. It's it, um, 
Well, I think the uh, the education is is so important in that and just diminishing their legitimacy kind of uh, brick by brick. And, uh, you know, maybe it is a multi-generational thing, but I like to think that with the Internet and with technology nowadays, you know, these ideas can spread faster and further and it, it can significantly speed things along. Because I've only got, I don't know about you, but I've only got maybe like 80 years left, so I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm going to live at least another 200. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's interesting that that, um, that, that idea of the multi-generational change was brought up because when you look at conspiracy theories that are out there, and when you look at history, it, it does appear as if the status takeover is a multi-generational thing. Uh, like, that's happened slowly over time, too. It didn't suddenly just get as bad as it is. It's Absolutely. It's been getting progressively worse over the past, I don't know, couple hundred years. Yeah, I like a creeping mold. <laughs> Like a creepy mold. So actually, uh, funny enough, our phones are lighting up like a Christmas tree. So Matt, did you have any final thoughts tonight? No, thanks again. Thank you so much for the call. We really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to try another caller. Who's this? You're on free. Oh, no. All right. Maybe that caller. Maybe that caller could call back. Uh, Let's try this one. Caller, you're on free talk live. Who's this? Oh, it's the same person that keeps calling and has the silence. Is this is like a prank. Maybe. I hear breathing. Know. We just don't know. Let's try this. Is this caller, are you on the air? Good no. Try. All right. Good try. Tried to do the technical stuff, but I guess it's not working. So, um. Hey. What? Oh, we heard Hello? some. Hello. Hey. Hello. Who's this? You're hey, on the air. This you? is Free Talk Live. Uh, yes, this is uh, James. Hi, James. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, not, not much. I just uh, wanted to let y'all know y'all are doing a fantastic uh, job. Um, Thank you so much. Stars. Yep. <laughs> and I wanted to let Guard know, uh, actually, I met all of you at the, uh, the Liberty Forum. I remember, James. I was, I was just going to give yep. you a big pat on the back and say, James, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's really yeah. cool. <laughs> we like James. Santiago? Yep. Is that who this is? Yeah, Santiago. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Nice to interview again. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to let Gard know I was going to try to make it to the World Horror Convention next year. Oh. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be a real fun time. Oh. We can, like, hang out. Oh, dude. Party. <laughs> it is going to be crazy good. It's going to be so amazingly great. And, um... Yeah, if if you get a chance, the World Horror Convention website has some really cool stuff. And for members of the Horror Writers Association, they actually have a really neat contest, a short story contest that I'm going to be entering. But you have to be a member of the uh, HWA. But you're going to have a great time, and the people who are there are fantastic. And uh, I might have some interesting news by that time about uh, a book that uh, we're we're sort of shopping around right now. So it's not I'm not writing it. I might be editing it. But it's but I, I'd love to see you, man. I'll see you down there, buddy. All yeah. right. We'll turn them all into all libertarians. Right, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Indeed. Right. Um, yeah, all right, and uh, y'all, uh, y'all keep at it. Thanks, James. Thanks, Thanks for James. the call. We yeah, appreciate hearing guy, from James. you. Yeah, he was, he was great. I love talking to him at the, at the Liberty Forum. He was so much fun. And you know, <laughs> you know what got me? Remember, I don't know if we talked about this, uh, Brett, and I don't think you and I had spoke about this, Stephanie, but... Um, I know you have other callers on the line, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. This is great. I don't want to take too long, but (laughs) I had to do a podcast about David Friedman. 
mm-hmm. when I was there because David Friedman was using this consequentialist argument that really pissed me off. I remember this. I remember yeah. your show. It, yeah. I, I was really pissed off with that. And the other thing was he uh, – uh, anyway. What's it's, consequentialism? It's Can you review? It's just that uh, the principle doesn't matter. It's the consequences of it. And he was trying to – it's it's that uh, liberty is better because the consequences are better. How's that different from pragmatism? Well, that's the thing. See, he's he's got circular a circular. It's a different name, Brett. He was trying to say (laughs) he was trying to say that he was above making a moral judgment, and that the consequentialist argument is if you think this is better, then then go this way. And I so just, he's making a moral judgment on people who are making moral judgments. There's the circular. This is, <laughs> he was make, He thought he was not being moral. He thought he was eliminating his own subjective moral code and trying mm-hmm. to be a scientist about it. And I had to just try to wipe wipe it out because it really drove me nuts. So anyway, it's in our it's in our library. But yeah, James. I don't know if he he was. I think he was there in the room when we were talking to Friedman, but uh, hopefully, James, uh, you got to hear the podcast after. Because I, I couldn't mm-hmm. address a lot of the things that uh, Friedman was saying at the time, and I had to do the podcast later. Yeah, that does definitely help. Yeah. So we've got our phone lines lit up like a like a Christmas tree. This is really exciting. I think I'm going to try this uh, line five one more time. Are you? Oh, no, it's still. Uh... It's Morse code. <laughs> it's a robot calling Free Talk Live. <laughs> yeah, really. Caller, you're on the air. Who's this? Caller? Caller, can you hear us? This is Free Talk Live. Had some... Oh, we... That's too bad. (laughs) We're getting all these robots calling. Okay, one more time. We're going to try the the third call. Caller, are you uh, here with us? This is Free Talk Live. You're on the air. Hi, Stephanie. I'm here. Oh, Jackie. I was hoping you would call in. This is great. (laughs) We've been waiting, Jackie. All right. Yes, waiting in anticipation the show but you guys did really good it's like there was no time to call because like everyone else was calling in so it's like well i just called in i talked to stephanie yesterday so i figured i'll let all these people call but yeah now that you guys are doing this i wanted to call in well thank you so much was there anything uh that you wanted to bring up we're, we're so glad you're out there listening and calling us um you guys are talking about planting seeds of liberty in people's minds mm-hmm. and um Guard that story that you told about the in the manure of statism. That was really funny. That just yeah. I just want you to leave me alone. Well, you know, yeah. We just want you guys to leave us alone. That's that's very ironic. Yeah. But um, I came across this story, and I did Stephanie. I sent it to you on Facebook before this, just in case I was going to call in. Oh geez, um, I got mired Facebook. down in the pumpkins over here in Keene Pumpkin Fest. <laughs> I was a little bit. I, I, I arrived here a little bit later than I would have liked because I was um I was dodging all this traffic so. I'm sorry I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It was like an hour before the show started. I completely forgot. But um, I noticed that a lot of people that at least are my libertarian role models um, use talk a lot about economics to try to persuade people to think in a more liberty mindset and not think statelessly, if that's even a word. But um, it is for now. me, I don't necessarily <laughs> – I yeah, I just made up a new word. Yay. Um, I don't necessarily think that that may be the best way to go when we're talking to general the general public because, you know, I think of everything, liberty, I probably know the least about economics because it's a really dry thing to read about. I mean, it's so boring. You think it but, sounds um, like a little least- bit too highbrow and elitist for, like, as we're trying to reach out to new people? It sounds like you're kind of... Uh, uh, being pedantic or talking down to somebody, that's kind of the problem. And, and the moral connection tends to work better. I think so, too. Yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but... it's not that I necessarily... 
necessarily think it's too moral. It's just, I mean, I've done a little bit of reading on Austrian economics, and it's like I cannot get through this without falling asleep. Well, you know, Jackie, one of the things is where I was just saying that the moral connection, the moral argument about not not forcing the non-aggression principle and so on tends to tends to get to the core of someone without having to go through a lot of the economic argument arguments. But what's very interesting is if you actually look at the practical economic arguments, really what we're talking about also is it, there's like a there's like a big hump to get over to say okay I'm going to address the moral side and I'm not going to talk about the economic side but even if you do then there's like a second hump because if you're actually talking about morals I mean if you're actually talking about economics in the end you are talking about general ideas of good and bad that someone right. being able to better his life is good that someone who will prevent someone from bettering his life is bad. And so therefore it's still a moral argument. Mm-hmm. And this is this is one of the things that I had to discuss with with I wanted to discuss with David Friedman uh because the in the in the end we're still making our subjective opinions heard and I I understand when you're arguing with someone to, to use the non-aggression uh, principle as a moral argument, but you can take those economic arguments and turn them into moral arguments. It just it takes a lot longer, and sometimes you don't have the time, and you can't win the person over in that amount of time because their their face might gloss over. But you can do it. There are ways to do it. it it's it's tricky, but there are ways to do it. And and basically, it's done through through asking questions. Do you think that it would be better to have this? Do you think it would be better to have that? And so you can do it on an economic front, but it's it just it takes more time. You know, I think also the way oh, that so oh, sorry, Jackie, go ahead. I interrupted. No, I was just I was just agreeing with him. I agree. It's connected. It's just harder to get there. It's yeah, right. yeah. Once it's more circuitous, and it, it's 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 sort of like yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, the um, you know, I had a thought about uh, the way that people think of economics. You know, when you when you think of economics in terms of um, like. You know, the M3 and the price of commodities and, you know, all these other things and like the inflation index and all the consumer prices. When you think of those things like, man, my eyes glaze over. I just completely tune out. But, uh, you know, it was Ludwig von Mises who who thought of economics as human action. Right. It's it's how people behave and make decisions. Right. That's the whole praxeology thing. It's like it's how people are are behaving and deciding what to do based on rational uh information um and so in that context i think it it becomes a little bit more interesting because it's related to this this human element like oh that is interesting like how do people make decisions how do people decide what's in their best interest right what do you think i I think that economics can be a powerful thing i just don't know that it's necessarily the best way to start it off like when you're you have someone brand new that you're that has express interest in learning more about libertarianism that mm-hmm. you know something something like really highbrow like inflation or something like that is probably not a good way to start because it's you're you're, you're bringing in somebody who's new and it just yeah I don't know, it just doesn't seem to work oh I i'm totally not above like i'm not above like pandering to someone's interests you know if you if you have a friend and and you know you're trying to talk to your friend about liberty and they're a nurse or something like, yeah, talk to them about, about healthcare or like, you know, clearly they went into that profession cause they want to help people and they care about uh, suffering. So talk to them about, um, you know, 
uh, drug laws that prevent patients from using marijuana or whatever if they're sick or talk to them about the healthcare system and how it's going to actually end up hurting people and making them wait for their health care and taking money from everyone to to uh, and forcing that nurse to work maybe when she doesn't want to work or whatever. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's sort of, in, in fact, Jackie, I think it's sort of a hodgepodge, too. Like, Stephanie just inspired me to think sometimes, and you, you're obviously already aware of this, if you're arguing or, or having a conversation with someone, you sort of have to read what they'd be open to discussing. So, you know, you could you could try the moral thing. You can throw that out there, and then you can pull back from it and say, well, look, you know, let me just sort of give you some ideas on why it's so expensive for you to buy health insurance. And so there are a lot of different approaches, but I agree with you. Um, I think just the term economics makes people think, oh, my God, my eyes are getting dry, you know. Um, (laughs) But it's yeah. as Stephanie said, the praxeology side of it, it's not all about numbers. It's not all about M1, M2, M3 and velocity and money supply and stuff like that. Um, And and what's great is like, you know, you read, uh, I don't know, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. And and he I don't think he has any formulas in it at all, you know, but um, yeah, I think the moral side of it to me, the moral side is usually the trump card where what I'll do is. It depends on how much time I've got to talk to someone and how receptive I think they are to learning a little bit about what causes higher prices or, you know, this or that. And if I know that they're willing to listen, then I'll go through it. Otherwise, I'll just get directly to the question and ask them and let them think about it. You know, would you force me or my neighbor? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, Jackie? Oh, I I think that's a, I think that's a very good point, and I really have to just kind of laugh at how the people who who would react the same way the gentleman that got ran into an airport would react because that's how we feel all the time. That's how we feel every day. You know, you you every April, you know, people have to sit down and pay their taxes, and <laughs> there we that's basically what we feel you know all year round. And um, I would then ask if if not economics or morality. What are some better topics that will be closer to your average everyday person that maybe um, would be a good a good opener? If mm. they have children, education. Yeah, if they if they use substances, maybe something about that. How they shouldn't be put in a cage. But I think it's really important oh, to definitely. focus on. Um, you know, probing what their interests are and then asking them questions about the political beliefs or the ideology that they hold now is very important. Because I think, you know, if you're asking them questions and you're demanding uh, consistency, right, like consistency in what their ideology is, they they will probably, when they realize that that isn't there, like political beliefs are all just these kind of like we pluck these different things out of the air depending on what a party platform is. I mean, I, I don't know who you'd be talking to, but um, when you ask them to say, okay, let's look at all these different beliefs that you have of part of this one party platform or whatever consistently, they see that things really don't line up. And I think they, they become more open-minded about another point of view once they realize that, you know, if they do subscribe to one or the other political party, like that spectrum of what's considered ex- socially acceptable political thought, uh, once they realize that that's kind of a nonsensical house of cards, they might be a little bit op- uh, more open to what you have to say. Or sometimes you'll encounter someone who's been basically uh, screwed over by the system or abused in yes. some way. Like, for instance, I remember um, I had a coworker, and he... Uh, 
was a self-identified socialist or liberal, and he said, yeah, I like paying taxes, I don't mind, you know, it goes to good causes, it goes to help people, yada, yada. Well, one day he got audited for the by the IRS uh, for some mistake that um, was like no fault of his. It was just they made a mistake, and, you know, they were sending him all these nasty letters and making demands, and I really kind of capitalized on that and, and sort of pointed out, like, hey, you know, you tried to do what you thought was the right thing, uh, and pay them their extortion money that they demanded. And now they're making more demands of you and they're threatening you and they're going to hurt you if you, uh, if you don't comply or do what they say, even though this was like no fault of your own. So I, I don't know. I think sometimes people who, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, he kind of was more open to it because he had that feeling of like, Hey, this, this isn't, this isn't right. You know, <laughs> this just happened to me. So I don't know, Jackie, what do you think? <laughs> Well, let me uh, just tell you where this is coming from. Um, sure. I've discussed this before with Stephanie in our guards forum that I live in an area where this whole city is very much a government city. I mean, the biggest employer here is the U.S. Army. And then there's the state-run stuff. You know, the state court, the state, you know, the University of Texas, and then there's a community college, which gets its like on the property taxes. And then there's welfare. Like, this, this, even if not everybody is on the welfare, every is on welfare. Excuse me. Everybody here makes their almost everybody, but me makes their money from the government some way. I mean, even my mother works for the um, the from the army. And so, when there are these people who are dependent on the government to live one way or another, it's very hard to sell the idea of anarchy or even minimal government to people because that would, in in their case, mean that you know their whole livelihood would just cease to exist when you take the government away. And that's that's my big that's my 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 this is where I'm being railroaded here. Move to New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm so working on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I think uh, the people who are Ian says this too on Free Talk Live, like the people who are the best prospects tends to be like the apoliticals, you know, the people who have never really been invested in the system and made it like such a part of their identity, you know, that I am a Republican all the way, you know, my Mm. family is all in the military, you know, and all my brothers are cops and whatever, you know, um, or, or the other way of, of, uh, of a Democrat or whatever. I think the people who have made it such a, a, a huge part of their identity have a, a little bit harder time being open-minded. Yeah, you know? they're really, that's because they you're, that's a good way to put it. It's really part of their identity. And when you question it or criticize it, it's a personal attack for them. Yes. You know, they internalize yeah. Yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I remember I was talking to a girl who was a, a hardcore Catholic, mm-hmm. and I was just giving her a ride that works as a co-worker, and... Uh, and, you know, far be it from me to get a very attractive woman upset and want to get out of the car. <laughs> I would hate, you know, I never want to do that. But um, <laughs> thank you for laughing, Jackie. Um, oh, my God. God. Yeah. But anyway, um, yes. And I'm really not like that. But anyway, um, I, it was interesting because she was like, oh, you know, the Pope and the church and, you know, they're not going to allow gay marriage and they don't want women to be priests and all this stuff. And I was like, well, look, if you don't like the Catholic Church, get out. Mm-hmm. Do, just go to some other church. Like, And she's like – Or go to no church. Yeah. I was yeah. like, well, why, why do you beat yourself up over this? It's not up to them to change for you. It's – they're the church. You go. You're an adult. You decide, I want to believe this. They've got a set of beliefs. They say, here's my menu. 
and occasionally we change it, but here it is. And if you don't like it, she goes, you don't understand. You weren't brought up Catholic. And I was like, I no, I guess not. I guess I mm. feel lucky that I wasn't, for goodness sake, because I don't feel like I. it's my – you know, it's in my DNA, or it's the clothing I have to wear every stinking day. If I was in the, you know, the 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 Spanish, the the Mexican restaurant club, and we ate at a Mexican restaurant every Friday, and then all of a sudden I wanted to have Italian food every third Friday, it wouldn't be up to them to say, "Well, we're the Mexican restaurant, but yeah, we'll go to the Italian restaurant." I'll just go stink, find another club for God's sake. <laughs> Jeez, I'm crow. It's so stupid. I don't understand, you know, but it's that mentality that is so pervasive in people. And, you know, I've always been a Democrat. My parents are Democrats. Yeah, I, there's I no God, way things can change. It's going to be this way and it's always going to be this way. I'm going to be I'm going to die the way I was born. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's very frustrating. And, and, and you have the school system just contributes to this nonsense, too, oh, because they always have so their much. little votes and they always tell people, well, you got to think about politics. But they don't think outside the cage. They don't address that you, you know, know it's, it's so funny last night dale was telling the story about how he was a hall monitor and i was saying i really wish brett was there because awesome. because he was just telling how like he got recruited into like the hall monitor gestapo and like <laughs> 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 and there was this girl that was like the head of the the hall mon- she was like the head warden of the hall monitors and you know like he he described the scenario where he saw this kid chewing gum and like, oh, that was bad. You weren't supposed to do that. And so he was like, uh, uh, you're not supposed to do that. And the kid just defiantly took a piece of gum out of his pocket and just put it in his mouth and started chewing and said, like, what are you going to do about That's it, buddy? Awesome. <laughs> and Dale didn't do anything because he was like, I can't, you know, I can't get this kid for chewing gum. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the school system, back to your point, guard, totally does do that. It just rewards people who want to be in this power structure and and have power over others and it, it's like you know well this this form being a hall monitor is a great honor you know it's it's the highest honor you're you're the top of you're the creme de la creme you're you're leading your peers and then that that mentality is just perpetuated you know the people who end up in student government like that's the start of a pathology that lasts their whole life usually yeah you know? <clears throat> well it's the i i think it might also be the exploitation or the exacerbation of something that's already there. That's right. That's what I was um, going to say. There's yeah. a certain personality trait. They're drawn to yeah. it. That's people, true. The, the people who are kind of trying to uh, work their way into these positions. I don't know why I keep using hand gestures on the radio. It's there is the cam. Cam.freetalklive.com. Maybe one it's of my Brett hands. Cam. One of my hands has been on the cam. I think I'm pretty much out of cam. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I wonder if Brett has been in. We can always switch. Listen, oh my god! The well, now are. it's dark in here. All the lights just went out. So no, uh, none of us. I can cam. fix I that. Computer light on I, him. Ian, Ian's, uh, oh, right, Ian's got a timer, timer on his lights. Okay. But right. um, <laughs> what was I saying? Uh, I, um, oh, the people in the student government are drawn to the the I, ring of power. Well, basically, I think that certain people. I think there's a certain psychological profile. Of people who are who are drawn into having power or who you know desire power over others. Yes, yeah, I think so. I, I think you knew people who wanted to run for office. They had a certain personality, and you're like, yeah, this person's sort of false, sort of cardboard, two dimensional, and I'm not really digging. I bet that person's going to run for office. I bet that person's eventually going to get into politics, and it's exactly the way it is if you read the personality or, right. Yeah. So they had two paths. You know, these people who wanted to interact with other people that way. Yes. They would, uh, you know, 
get into the student government or they would punch you in the eye and take your lunch money. <laughs> so, Right yeah. on. Stephanie just got up and took care of the uh, lights if you're looking on the cam. Yeah, thank you. I was like, what happened there? Well, now, now we should ask you, can you see Brett? <laughs> I can't see Brett. It's fine. Actually, it's guard that I can't see because of all the arms and the microphones are all like right in front of his face. How could I, I possibly be on camera? You can really see me right now? Yeah, Brett, you're like the star, yes, actually. Can. The camera focuses on that seat, actually. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's why I said you were the male model before, because that the camera just like totally focuses on that that seat. <laughs> oh, oh, this whole time I've been behaving like I wasn't on camera. So yeah, and and Jackie, we should just mention to you, uh, getting over here today. I literally walked in about 45 seconds to a minute before they went on the air. I mean, it was maybe 30 I know, seconds. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and and I left early just so I could I feel like I'm on yeah, uh, this is very fascinating. I left early just so I could get over and I ran into the the Keen is just a zoo right now with all the Halloween Keen Pumpkin Festival stuff going on. Every street is blocked off. You can't go down the main street. There was a like a I don't know, like a five-mile traffic buildup. And I think Brett squeezed in early enough that he might not have experienced this. But I was like, oh, I've got 25 minutes still before I have to get there. I'll be able to stop in, get a sandwich. Not a chance. I've eaten. <laughs> Thanks to Brett, he brought some pie over, so I had some pie. But it's been absolutely crazy it just tonight. So hopefully it's Brett, been Brett, I didn't cozy. know you were a math tutor. But shh, pie. <laughs> yes. That's, that's right. how I got the pie, though. No way. Yeah, from a client. And, I could, and they're like, Brett, take some pie. Take some pie. Because <laughs> I, can't, I can't eat it. It's uh, not it's something too that I eat. Yeah. So yeah. I brought it along, to, and I was hoping that I could give it away either to the people who are nice enough to host us here in the studio or to yeah. Yeah. Uh, the people involved in the show. So there you go. Yes, indeed. Right. Jackie, any, any uh, final thoughts? Uh, no, that was it. I just wanted to call. I was really excited to have Gard and Stephanie on the same show because of, of everyone I've met in the Liberty Movement. You guys have been just two of the greatest. So it was oh. really cool to have you guys. On the Very show. good. You can see us high-fiving on the cam. I like that. Very nice. And I haven't seen Stephanie very much at all. I've been so busy and I've been injured and stuff. So this is a, this is a nice little homecoming. I like this. There's yeah. some good people here, Jack. Yeah, Gard, it's, I'm sorry to hear it. You know, I had that foot thing going on, and I oh, hope yeah. it's... It's been like a year, Jesus. Yeah, wow. yeah. I think it might be getting a little better. So, I hope so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for calling. Like, we really appreciate it, and uh, we, we hope to see you here soon. <laughs> oh, thank you. Talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye, Jackie. Bye, Jackie. All right. Okay. So, gentlemen, any, any last words? Do you think we should probably wrap this up? I think sure. uh, it's, uh, it's been such a fun evening. I really, really... It's been awesome. As you said, I really appreciate uh, yeah. you being here with me tonight. And, uh, and uh, you know, thanks to Ian and Mark for lending us the keys to the studio for tonight. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's always great to come down here. And, uh, yeah, I just hope people visit visit the websites. You might want to mention your website again. And, oh, sure. Okay, so my, I have a podcast. It's podcast. Pork Therapy. We talk about uh, relationship, interpersonal relationships, which uh, we think kind of form the fabric of a voluntary society. And the website is porctherapy.com you can ask us your uh, relationship questions of all kinds of uh, different relationships friends family coworkers romantic anything you want uh head there to check it out porktherapy.com and gardner i hope people go to libertyconspiracy.com check it out go to our forum jackie's got some great comments in there glenn jacobs has some great comments uh, ferb has some good stuff 
And, uh, yeah, I also hope that they will um, obviously contribute to my uh, political campaign, which is spurious and fraudulent and completely bogus, but <laughs> it's just like every other political campaign. There you go. Indeed. And and Brett? And I am the host of School Sucks Podcast, which you can check out on the web at schoolsucksproject.com. What do you say? The relationships form the fabric of The fabric a vol- of a voluntary society. Yeah. Government school forms like the... <laughs> Tar paper of the totalitarian <laughs> state of society. The paper that all the flies get stuck on yeah, instead of the fabric. Oh, and, and by the way, anybody out there, if, if they haven't encountered Brett's podcast, uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can find mine on iTunes. Yours is, yours is on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do go into the comments page and leave some comments on our things and try to you know pepper some websites with our links and stuff because it, it is helpful. I noticed since I went to the school, that Sauhegan High School thing just a week ago, we've had this insane uptick. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like crazy, are, crazy, crazy stuff. So the kids are getting yeah. some dangerous ideas. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, so I hope, you know, just, just spread the word around and we'll see you in New Hampshire, you guys. Yeah, and of course, check out lrn.fm. You probably heard us there tonight, but all three of us, uh, you know, our shows are broadcast there, along with some other of the best liberty-oriented content you can find anywhere on the web. Dig. lrn.fm, dig. <laughs> and I guess that's our note to go out on, so... Thank you so much for listening. This is going to be a long podcast, but we really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we certainly enjoyed being here. And um, this has been Free Talk Live. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good seeing you.